Welcome to Back of the Rack, a gaming video cast about games long neglected and not respected, games that everyone's heard of or hated, or no one's heard of and loved. We play the games in between the essentials and the awana, but mostly, we play what we want on this podcast. Thank you for listening on podcast platforms or watching on YouTube, which we consider to be the optimal way to experience our content. Join our Discord where you can talk with us and others about Back of the Rack games. And make sure to like and comment on our videos and leave good reviews on the podcast feeds. Your feedback and engagement is the fuel that keeps us going. We hope everyone watching and listening is doing great, and we thank you for joining us today on another episode. Starting off, we will introduce this month's game with a scripted segment giving you all the details, and then we will go into our unscripted thoughts about the game shortly afterwards. I'm Sandy, and with me always is Ben Desert. So without further ado, enjoy. Developed and published by Squaresoft, Parasite Eve is a science fiction horror role-playing game released for the PlayStation 1 on September 9, 1998 in Japan and September 10, 1998 in the US. It is the first M-rated title to be released by Squaresoft and a sequel to the novel of the same name written by Hideaki Sena. Parasite Eve was developed in California in collaboration with Electronic Arts, marking the company's first American and Japanese development collaboration. Parasite Eve places you in the role of Aya Brea, an off-duty NYPD officer meeting a blind date on a snowy Christmas Eve at Carnegie Hall. Aya and her date are there for an opera, one she won't soon forget. As they watch the show, the actress on stage locks eyes with Aya and suddenly the cast on stage spontaneously combusts. The audience, growing panicked by the perceived pyrotechnics, suddenly realizes that this isn't part of the show and themselves ignite into flames without explanation. Aya watches powerless and confused as everyone but her and the actress are engulfed in flames. With the only sight being that of charred corpses, Aya pulls out a handgun from her purse and moves toward the stage where she last saw the actress who would be the only other survivor. Aya soon learns the actress's name is Melissa, who informs Aya that she is immune to combustion. Melissa begins to transform into a flying creature named Mitochondria Eve and disappears into the sewers after Aya battles her. This leaves Aya and by proxy, the player, with more questions than answers, setting into motion the events of the game. Parasite Eve is split up into six days and follows Aya after the events at Carnegie Hall. As her, Daniel, a veteran officer, and Maeda, a Japanese scientist, chase leads about Eve's whereabouts all around Manhattan Island. Players are given the ability to visit places around Manhattan like Central Park, St. Francis Hospital, and the NYPD, the latter acting as a sort of home base. Here, players can save their progress, store items, and upgrade weapons with permits that are given throughout the story. Players traverse each location with pre-rendered backgrounds and a fixed perspective akin to Resident Evil. Environmental puzzles play a part in exploration, but are easy to overcome. Players are able to open chests to find various useful items like weapons, armor, and restoratives in each location visited. Combat in Parasite Eve is handled via a turn-based ATB system. Encounters are random, and once in the battle view, Aya is free to move about in a restricted area to dodge enemies or to position herself more strategically for her next attack. Players can use several weapons like handguns, assault rifles, shotguns, and SMGs. Aya also unlocks the ability to use parasite energy, this game's equivalent to magic. With abilities to heal, temporarily raise defense stats, and fire supercharged projectiles at enemies, players are given an arsenal that would rival most RPGs made by Squaresoft. 
there are customization options that give the player more flexibility with armor and weapon choice. Selecting tune-up when a tool is in the inventory allows the player to select different attributes that can be transferred from one piece of equipment to another. Like most RPGs, Aya levels up, receiving bonus points or BP. Players can then distribute these points to either increase their item capacity, the ATB gauge, or the attributes of weapons and armor. Parasite Eve had many industry heavy hitters, with some even achieving their notoriety through this title. Chief among them is Yoko Shimomura, the composer, whose work on the score was met with critical acclaim for its blend of opera and electronica. She went on to score The Legend of Mana and Parasite Eve 2 in 1999, eventually Kingdom Hearts and Front Mission in 2002, and many more iconic scores. Her recent works include the 2022 title Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. Hironobu Sakaguchi acted as producer and is considered the father of Final Fantasy, having come up with the original concept and having directed Final Fantasy 2, 3, and 4. Since then, he has been an executive producer on the Kingdom Hearts series and later Final Fantasy titles. He recently acted as producer on Fantasian in 2021. The game's director, Takashi Takeda, has a short but impressive list as director, known for the critically acclaimed Chrono Trigger and Live Alive, as well as the more poorly received PS2 title, The Bouncer. He is currently a senior manager and producer for Square Enix's Business Division 8. He most recently worked with Ononaki, developed by Tokyo RPG Factory, as its creative producer. Character designs were handled by Tetsuya Nomura, who has come up frequently on Back of the Rack. Dirge of Cerberus and Musashi Samurai Legend are some of the titles he has been attributed to on our show, but his credits range from directing the Final Fantasy VII Remake to working on the Kingdom Hearts franchise in varying capacities. His most recent credits are creative director on Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Parasite Eve blends real-life scientific theory with horror to bring a unique mixture to the RPG genre in a time when Japanese horror was on the rise in the West, selling over 950,000 copies in the first half of 1998, making it the third best-selling game of that period behind games like Resident Evil 2 and Gran Turismo. It was the sixth top-selling game of 1998 overall, with 994,000 copies sold. Yet, for reasons known and unknown, Parasite Eve does not have much relevance in players' minds. The title was well-received upon release with many praising its beautiful graphics, cinematic cutscenes, and mature tone. But its linear structure was criticized by many and was often compared to the Resident Evil series, and its combat drew even more negative attention when placed alongside Squaresoft's own Final Fantasy VII. Over the years, Parasite Eve has developed a cult following and is remembered more fondly than in the time that it was released, with many only knowing the name of the title and having never played it. This has given Parasite Eve a cult following with many diehard fans, a game long neglected and one well suited for Back of the Rack. All right, guys, so before we jump into the thought table, as we usually do, we have a special guest this episode, uh, Sean Shonson, and uh, he he is uh, one of our longtime watchers, I would say. He's been there since day one. and I'm an OG, uh, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, your YouTube channel has, you know, grown since uh, to, I mean, you're in what, the 25K? Like, you're up there, right? I'm, I'm surprised as you are. <laughs> so, yeah, so like very, you know consistent great output um and so for this episode we thought we'd invite him back because the first episode we did with him was the uh fear effect episode which was a ps1 title sean Johnson uh specifically um very focused in honed in on the ps1 titles and all that so another perfect episode for him to be on 
and I'll let Sean introduce himself and, uh, you know, give a little backstory, essentially, on uh, on his on how Sean Johnson came to be, you know, his little. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, that's cool. My name is uh, Sean Johnson. Thanks for, for having me back on. I do videos mostly on the PlayStation one. I say mostly on the PlayStation one. There's like one Dreamcast video and everything else is PlayStation one. But I like to explore the libraries of the console. I like to check out all the games publishers make in one big video. I like to check out obscure games, weird games, hidden gems, Japanese exclusives, and basically just looking to find the weird games that nobody knows about and trying to make sure that you now know about them, whether they're worth playing or not. At least you might <laughs> learn something new. So that's me in a nutshell. You could also just call me generic Irish PlayStation man. That's kind of my, <laughs> my whole brand, really, in a nutshell. But uh, yeah, that's me. Where did you guys first hear about Parasite Eve? Thinking back to, obviously, 19... What, what year did this come out? I wasn't born when this game came out. To scare I you guys. Was it? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, wow, just that's, me... that's, that's, that's crazy. I, I, I feel like I should know this. I think it's 98. <laughs> I'm going to say 98 or 97. Yeah, I th- 97, 98. 90, yeah, 98. Okay, so, Sandy, you were I was born. born in... I was a baby. You I were was born t- in 96. I was... I was born in 97 and I was, yeah, when this game came out, I was literally probably walking for the first time. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Well, why don't we start with you then? Where did you first hear about this, uh, barring when it was released in 98? (laughs) (laughs) Barring when it was released, I first heard about this game actually through a Let's Play channel. I am an avid watcher of a Let's Play group. Well, there was a Let's Play group called Super Best Friends Play. and. I watched their Parasite Eve playthrough, and I was like, "Huh, that's a cool game. I'll keep that on my radar." And one of my friends, when we collect, we both collect uh, video games. He, we both were like, "Let's do a trade." And I had Naruto Clash of Ninja One and Two on the GameCube, and he was like, "I'll give you this game I got from the thrift store. I don't think it's worth anything. It looks like a shitty PlayStation One game. Here, you can take it." Gave him Clash of Ninja One and Two for Parasite Eve, and he still hates me for this day for for giving away Parasite Eve to me essentially for free. Oh, he regrets it. Oh yes, every time. Like when we told him he was doing episode, he's like, "Fuck you!" Now you're just rubbing it in. (laughs) Give me back my game. Right. (laughs) So it was pretty recent then, I guess that you. Oh yes, this is like last couple years. Yeah. Damn. Okay. All right, Sean. What about you? Where's what's your history with it? Um, it's a bit of a, a different one just because we, we didn't get Parasite Eve over here in Europe for like, uh, ever. <laughs> I think I still oh. don't think it's, it's ever been released over here huh. in a fit in an official capacity because it came out during that weird part where Square just weren't publishing any games in Europe outside of Final Fantasy. So we missed the whole bunch of them. So yeah. I remember I would have been about, let me see, 98, I would have been about seven years old when this game came out. So I would have been reading magazines and I might have like seen like clips of it or like parts of it in a magazine just to inform us about it. But then it just never came. Uh, we eventually got Parasite Eve 2, which I never played. And I just thought the whole series was like a Resident Evil kind of deal, which right, I wasn't really right. into at the time. And then, yeah, nothing for like a long, long time until I eventually started looking into all those Square soft games that came out uh, in North America, but never came out over here. And right. I just kept hearing... Uh, how good Parasite Eve was. It's one of their best games. It's really cool. It's really unique. It's really interesting. And I was like, what, the Resident Evil one? Really? <laughs> and then when I actually see it in action, I was like, oh, this is this, this is, is pretty weird. cool. 
Yeah, and it's it's been one that it's been on my radar for playing for a very very long time, and this is actually my first time fully playing through it. I've played it briefly for a video before, uh, but this is the first time actually playing it, and uh, yeah, very uh, very interesting. <laughs> very. Interesting. <laughs> I actually learned something from your video and doing research. I didn't know that Square Enix and Electronic Arts partnered up to publish yeah. this game. I never knew that. I was like, huh, interesting. You never yeah, know. it's 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 a big reason why we didn't have anything in Europe because, you know, Electronic Arts were big in North America. They were like a kind of cool way of uh, Square getting into just getting their games published in North America. They're like, oh, we'll let EA do it, you know? Uh, that that didn't exist for Europe. That's why we got nothing. <laughs> we, we basically got a game if Sony were like, yeah, we really want that one. And that was why we pretty much only got Final Fantasy. But yeah, EA are pretty pretty helpful that, that time period for Square. What um, So around, let's say, what year did you first sort of hear about that then um would you say like the square thing or just parasite eve itself uh, yeah parasite eve itself yeah yeah so i probably would have I, I would have heard about it like during the early days of the playstation but until actually okay. hearing about and learning about parasite eve quite quite recent at least in like the, okay. the 2010s when i started really paying attention to this sort of stuff you know i wanted to find yeah. out more but it's i've known about it for a long time but i've actually only played it now. I was waiting for the right time, which ideally would be the transfer from Halloween to Christmas, which is perfect for this game. Yeah, there's a Christmas episode. Merry Christmas, yeah. everybody. This yeah. Is... <laughs> really? Yeah, Merry Christmas. You know, or happy holidays, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting that you guys have both uh, heard about this more recently or, you know, came to light for you guys, your exposure level. Uh, this was a title for me that I... It's sort of like a Final Fantasy VII effect where... I heard of this title through another medium, um, or in this case, another title. For me, it was The Third Birthday on PSP, which is a Parasite mm -hmm. Eve title, right? That was 2007, I want to say. So, That's the um, Roboter one. Yeah. I don't know why we didn't, honestly. <laughs> Listen, well, I mean, we'll Parasite go through Eve, the whole the series. Also, yeah, yeah. So um, <laughs> that was my first exposure to it, not really owning a PS1 in my youth, and not really having like access to a lot of that stuff. Uh, when I did finally get a PSP, I remember picking up Third Birthday. Obviously, not even knowing that there was a Parasite Eve uh, series because the the title is the, the Third Birthday, not Parasite yeah. Eve, the Third Birthday. So it kind of like eschews the whole franchise naming and all that. But anyways, uh, yeah, that game was super awesome, and I remember like looking up maybe like reviews or. Uh, I might have been stuck on one part, so maybe I looked something up, but I found out that it was connected to this whole other universe of games. And I also saw how much people didn't like The Third Birthday, mainly because of its departure gameplay-wise from the other two. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's sort of where I heard from. And I think The Third Birthday really cemented my love of that era of Square Enix. Because, I mean, we're talking about year after year, 2005, Musashi, 2006, Dirge, 2007, uh, you know, Parasite. Kingdom Hearts 2. Third birthday. <laughs> Kingdom Hearts 2, yeah. There's just like this, they were, this output, while, you know, it was critically um, all over the place because not many mm. people like Dirge and all this, but, uh, yeah, so that that was sort of like, that. Sandy, if you cut me open and you just... And rip my heart out. Rip my heart out. This is A one of the games that will fall out. <laughs> Would bleed uh, out. Yeah, but yeah, so that's that's sort of where it started for me. Um, and I think 
I think the main reason we felt that this was Boder, I would say, um, is because while the series gets talked about a lot, I feel like the first, the second one seems to be like the most well received, from what I'm understanding, and the most expensive, uh, for whatever reason. Maybe there's less copies of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so we just thought like, hey, Parasite Eve feels like a, you know, long neglected title. Not many. First off, it seems like no one has played this game. Everybody's heard of it, but nobody's yeah, played it. So that was like already a perfect like, yeah, this is going to be a, a boater title. No, you know. So, um, but yeah, let's let's jump into the thought table. Let's jump into what we think about it. Um, as always, we do a three tiered thought table with presentation, gameplay, story, uh, or presentation, story, gameplay. Or uh, sometimes gameplay. Sandy Sandy likes to switch it up. Sometimes uh, it's but, dynamic. You never yeah, know what's going to happen. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, we like to keep everybody on their toes. Uh, Sean, since you're the guest, give us your sort of impressions of the maybe the style art design ui uh the way everything is presented give us your your thoughts yeah for sure um i i think parasite eve is a really interesting and somewhat unique game especially in square's pantheon of uh ps1 output because if you play like a square game during that era you're kind of getting the square soft vibe so to speak and i feel like you very much get that within this game but it's done in a very different way to almost anything else that they have on the console, at least at the point where it came out. Because we're we're getting, like, you know, static pre-rendered backgrounds, you know, we're, we're walking around with cute little 3D models on, on screen and whatnot. But instead of it being in, like, a fantasy world or, like, a sci-fi world or just something kind of, you know, distinctly otherworldly, uh, we're getting, like, New York City and we're getting real-life locations crazy. and we're getting real people... We get like dank apartments, uh, sewers, uh, museums, and whatnot. And I think it's really, really interesting to see Square's kind of style adapted to the real world, so to speak. And I think for me, at least, it's the first time I ever really got to experience it at that level because, you know, Square have done games that have taken place in the real world or they've shown examples of the real world in them, but I've never really seen like, you know, like New York in a Final Fantasy VII style or a Final Fantasy VIII style, you know? I think for me, on the presentation side, that's like one of the things that kind of really stood out to me while playing this game. Oh, yes. Yeah. I have to agree with that. The The way that the snow and everything, how it just sets the tone of like, I don't know what it is about New York City and snow. Uh, everybody is just mm. like, it's got to be snowy. It's got to be weird and grisly. I, there was a scene that, I don't know if you guys saw it, but oh, we're right before this two starts where she goes and she goes, the thing's going towards the museum and it peers up to the Twin Towers. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is I forgot that that was the oh, you're in New York. If you see the Twin Towers, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Like what I like about it is because it kind of has this air of a of you know, like a horror game and also kind of has especially la- later into the game it has this air of like a big dumb. 90s action movie and as someone who's like not from north america uh essentially all i know about america is stuff from big dumb action movies like i can't tell you how <laughs> many times accurate. i've seen new york get like blown up by aliens mm. or having godzilla knock over a landmark so when i see this in a video game i'm like hell yeah it's real life it's <laughs> this is what new york's like <laughs> oh yeah that's so funny because that perspective on you know your sort of distance um and i guess lack of you know being cultured in in American, uh, I guess, American-isms, 
Yeah. Sandy lives closer to New York. I'm in the Southwest. So for me, I almost have a similar experience too. <laughs> because like everything is set in New York on the East Coast. It's always like yeah. Virginia, New York, Maryland. Like there's always, it's always on that side and California sometimes. Yeah. Right? yeah. Florida, California, like, New York. Yeah, so for me as well, Sean, it feels like uh, that's yeah, that's America stuff over there. Like you know, it's New it's York is New very York. much like New York. It is yeah. like just like how Baltimore is exactly like Baltimore and the Wire <laughs> and yeah. everything. It's I, I'm, I'm assuming Detroit is not like Detroit with the robots, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always robots, man. Yeah. <laughs> what you telling me? There's not robots. <laughs> I don't know any better. I've never been to Detroit. I gotta, I gotta only assume. Yeah. Yeah. To let me piggyback off what you're saying about just the overall vibe, because yeah, the whole tone of the game has this very '80s cop buddy sort of. I guess it is very '90s, even though it was a it was a '98, and like the scripts and tone of movies were changing out of like the more campy B movie kind of style. Um, they opted to sort of kind of encapsulate that more uh, that. 80s cop movie f- uh, flavor but then there's that japanese sort of like body horror uh that sort of like uh that eeriness to it that only the japanese can do where it's like oh, yeah. what the fuck are you guys doing like this person what's up with this rat <laughs> yeah. Yo. it, it is, it, this is like i mean it's 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 exactly like you said it's like a, a cop thriller body cop with like i and daniel Mm-hmm. crazy 90s action thriller with like insane set pieces and then also some of like the most gruesome body horror that's probably ever been put in a video game i'd say like i mean i don't even think that's like hyperbole like i've watched some of these cutscenes. i'm like they're how yeah. what <laughs> what is happening yeah you know disturbing. and it's just that it's just that for an entire game you know it, it always tries to one-up itself and i uh die hard i appreciate the that thing. they try to meld this all together it's crazy the presentation of it all it's like somehow quite grounded and also like the most insane thing you've ever seen and it it works (laughs) i have a lot of like the biggest thing that stood out to me was the tiny details when it came to animations like in every single cutscene, like usually in video games when there's an animation there's like a default for animations there's the talking animation the surprised and then the angry but for every cutscene, there's so many there's a cut there's a cutscene where she's gets up and she sits down and she's holding her head thinking about the situation as they explain what happened with the incident in Japan with Eve or the scientist giving you the good luck charm and David being like or is it Daniel oh my god please don't tell me I get this right and Daniel gets mad at the uh, scientist and punches him in the face like there's so many small little animations and every time I saw those I was like wow that's really good and the biggest thing for me was the opera the music but the the main theme of the opera being that's when something horrible is about to happen is when you hear this opera lady singing it like added to that whole horror theme and keeping it still grounded because it it kept reminding me of that first scene where everybody could bust into flames at the opera and it just brought me back to that horror because i i didn't know anything about the game and i was like oh 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 People are dying, dying. I didn't know that. I like what you said about the animations because there is a lot of surprising... And it's hard to know sometimes, like, was this just well animated for the time? Is it that we have lower expectations for it because it was a PS1 game? So it's like, wow, they were able to do this. But back then I was like, well, this is standard for, you know, this one. So I don't know if, Sean, maybe you have 
more insight into how we- how well it's animated if it's <laughs> unique to the yeah. game. Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I would say for its time, it's it's incredibly well animated. I know you can obviously kind of judge if it's like, you know, a game of its time versus, right. you know, just other PS1 games. But I think if you were to compare it to other PlayStation games, the animations are pretty, pretty strong across the board, especially for 98. Because if you think about yeah. it, we're, we still weren't realistically that far off Final Fantasy VII, which was Square's first 3D game on the PlayStation. And I think that's kind of the base level of what their animations and characters would look like. Yeah. And I always think if you look at Final Fantasy VII and Final Fantasy VIII, you can see a gigantic increase of the quality of their models and how expressive they are and what they can do. Right. And I think Parasite Eve kind of works as this midpoint in between the two of them where you can really see the growth of what Square were able to do in just a couple of years working on the console. And it's not as gigantic as like a you know a, like a 40, 50 hour game like a Final Fantasy. This is a much more condensed... I guess story, yeah. wouldn't necessarily say story driven, but it's a much more condensed and flashy version of what that is, and it really shows off like the attention to detail that they put into the characters, as you mentioned, which are great. Like even the little car journeys and stuff where they're talking, there's a lot of, a lot of expression in those pieces. But then even if you look at like the enemies and kind of the variety of how many there are, their unique animations and attack patterns that they have, there's a lot of attention put into each of them. And I think if you were to compare it to almost any other game from like 98 it's you can clearly see they're ahead of the curve and what they're doing on the console for sure when you think about final fantasy um final fantasy 7 and their chibi-fied uh sort of character models and then we start to sort of go from like the sprite representations of a character to these 3d chibi representations to final fantasy 8 where it starts to like they have more realistic proportions you know and you know i mean parasite eve has that what I think is funny is that they play with this idea of being close to the characters sometimes. Mm. Like, you know, in cutscenes, they're pretty close in. Sometimes it's like that third, that, uh, that third per or not third person, sort of like that. Um, like the isometric camera in the top? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes yeah. it's that. Sometimes it's really close, and they're, like, showing off. Like, you can see Eve's, like, eyes clearly defined, all her, like, polygons, like, in place. Uh, sometimes it's really far back and they look like mm. just little squiggly lines crossing, <laughs> you know? So it, mm. it's interesting how they play with that and how comfortable they were at certain points to like pull in close and to be, you know, f- just far back. I mean, there's a specific scene where I was sort of blown away, but I think it's in the hospital and there's just like this section where if you go to the end of this hospital's hallway, it cuts to a close up of the window and it's Parasite Eve, maybe from the waist up, and you can look out into the window, and it's the, I want to say the Chrysler building, and it's like yeah, lit up so. red or something's going on. Oh, yes, you can't really yes, inter- yes. You can't, there's no, there's no, like, interactivity there, unfortunately, but, like, you really get, like, this sense of, like, oh, wow, this looks, like, this looks great. It left me wanting more of these close-up shots, you know, of, of Parasite Speaking of Eve. interactivity... What did you or think about, like, the lack of interactivity when it comes to, like, the environment? Because usually, like, you know, in isometric or fixed camera games, there's a lot of points where you can just click something and, like, mm. read or it'll be like, oh, this door is broken. Seems like somebody barged through. Like, there was nothing like that unless it directly detained to what you have to do next. Did you think that that was weird? I thought that was really weird. I, I think it kind of shows... I suppose the attempts at, that they were trying to do, because there's definitely aspects of survival horror in this for sure. 
but you can tell it's still more of a, a role-playing game of heart and a very linear one at that. I feel yeah. like a lot of the levels in this game feel a bit more almost kind of dungeon-like in, in a way where you're not really doing as much exploring for items and kind of investigating around the environment. Like, you still do get stuff, but it feels a bit more linear. It feels like, you know, it only wants you interacting with stuff that's very clearly. It doesn't really want to waste your time with clicking on every individual thing. Yeah. Um. I, I don't know if you guys have played Parasite Eve 2, but it basically changes completely once it goes to that one. But I think it's it's actually one of the parts that separates the original a little bit for me. It feels like a bit more still rooted in being a role-playing game that's trying to bring you through the story yeah. than kind of having you just clicking on every item, even though it probably would have been nice in some locations to get that yeah, little bit of read flavor little bit. text. Yeah. Wait, I have do... you played Parasite Eve 2? I haven't completed Parasite Eve 2, but I've played like the first maybe three or four hours of it. Oh, sure. And okay. it's 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 basically what if we did Parasite Eve, but it's an, actually a Resident Evil <laughs> style game. In, oh, completely, shit. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll save that to someday where you might want to play it. But it's yeah. the interesting thing about Parasite Eve is that all three of the games in the series are very different from one another. So okay. you could talk to anybody and they could probably have a different favorite depending on what their personal preferences are. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a series I think that might have some sort of identity crisis in ter- in terms of what they wanted to retain from Square. Love to like adapt. They like to mix things up with their games. I think one yeah. of their whole philosophies is they're like, oh, we like to do a little something different every time. That's why like, you know, Final Fantasy seven and eight and nine are all a little bit different. Parasite right, Eve, I right. think, is them at like crazy experiments where we're like, we'll make it a lot of different every time. You know, so it's yeah. uh, it's it's square at their squariest, I guess you could say. <laughs> now I want to get um, on you. I want to get on you, Ben, first before you ask your question. You said something wild. What, what is, is it that you don't like about the OST? Oh, 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 okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like, when did I say? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, I got, uh, I got the DMs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, I have a lot to say about the presentation, but if Sandy wants to go there. <laughs> So uh, the the OST uh, was so I'll go, so I'll just r- say that the main theme, the battle theme, right, uh, is is cool. I really like it. Um, it's I don't know. I have this strange idea that battle themes should change dependent on your location. So like obviously you're in the hospital, you're in the museum, you're in and and a lot. I don't know if other games do this. It, it, it kind of feels like it's like this weird Mandela effect. Where I'm like, wait, don't m- these themes change as you're in different levels? So I'm sort of applying this arbitrary like rule to these games sometimes where I'm like, I feel like <clears throat> it shouldn't just be the same battle theme everywhere you go. But maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, so I guess that's a long way to say that I did enjoy the main battle theme, but I think that it does uh, get a little grating. There's like this... Uh, this high-pitched almost as if like your health bar is low there's like this Mm. synth or something this uh key that they're alternating oh no 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 that's the baseline but like in the middle like i don't know it it just sounds like the alert for when your character's health is low and maybe not Mm. maybe not like an alert for when your health is low in this game but in other games, there's this like almost like an alarm, like an ambulance sort of like sirene sound. Yeah. And I kept hearing it in this in this beat. 
So I would think that my health was low. Dude, I'm fucked up. I'm just, <laughs> I'm fucked up. Like, as I'm explaining this, I'm like, whoa, this is like trippy, but, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so like it kept bothering me. Uh, but like, other than that, that piece of music was probably my favorite. The opera piece in the beginning, I think does set the tone and it really does have that eeriness to it. Um, which is sort of like the main theme, or at least the main sort of tonic. It sort of roots the whole thing with the opera, you know, uh, kind of backdrop. But every other place I went to, I feel like it was either a lack of music or very subdued music or music that felt very uh, cheesy and corny to me, uh, which I don't say lightly because I like city pop and city pop is like very corny you know japanese mm. music but this felt like they were trying to go for that sort of like 80s almost like a serialized uh tv series or something like it felt it just felt very cheesy to me so it didn't law and order core the, yeah like it didn't yeah, quite bom, hit bom. the yeah that's actually yeah. a very good way to put it because it didn't quite hit the heights that i thought it would based off of the battle theme so, like, mm. I'm hearing the battle theme, like, oh, shit, the, the fucking OST is about to slap. And then as I kept going through the game, I'm like, oh, there's nothing else like that battle theme, is there? Well, yeah, that's kind of chilling. disappointing. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. What did you guys think about the OST? Go. It's like, no, nah, let me not. <laughs> <laughs> I, really, I really like the OST for this game. I don't know. I just really liked really mellow, really relaxing, chill PlayStation 1 songs osts that you could listen to while studying and this is the exact (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is the this is exactly what i wanted from this kind of because it it never really like the opera singer that was a good motif throughout the rest of it and the way that yoko shimura composed the sounds and even just because for me it's not even just the ost that sounds really good because I wasn't really expecting them to go full blown rock or techno or anything crazy like that. I wasn't expecting anything upbeat, especially because it's a pseudo survival horror game. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I was like the tracks were exactly what I wanted and it fit the exact mood and re-listening to it because there's a couple songs before I even played Parasite Eve that I already listened to on like playlists that I have specifically mm-hmm. video game music. Okay. And so I was already aware of those and hearing those in the game with the context of where the song was being played. It was like, oh, that's even better. And I, I enjoyed that, at least a lot of the sound effects. Actually, I really liked a lot of the sound effects in the game. They have some really good chimes, like specifically when you use the heel, that yeah, chime, yeah, yeah. oh man, every time. Yeah. To me, that's like classic square. Like you get reminded mm-hmm. it's a square game when you use some of the magic, you know, because you, you hear say, yeah. you hear the sound effects of other games. Like you can sometimes hear a little Final Fantasy VIII styling in there, yeah. a little bit of FF7. It's, I don't know, the twinkle. Like when you're using like, a, yeah. like I always call it like a twinkle, like a like, like yeah. some sort of like dust on you or something like it carries yeah. over. And I, I think it's always really weird, the juxtaposition of being like this, you know, cop with a gun yeah. shooting like a giant dinosaur what like final fantasy magic playing <laughs> noises it's it's really cool i think there is a sort of interesting dissonance between the gritty grounded cop in brooklyn or new york and then you have like her using i guess parasite e powers or what paranormal energy what is Pr- pretty, pretty much contrails. yeah, yeah. Par- <laughs> parasite energy yeah so i i think like when she's like doing any of those moves it does borderline into like the fan of the I guess Final Fantasy realm, and it feels very like, oh right, this is a 
this is not as grounded as it's pretending to be but i think it does blend them well enough but yeah uh, on the topic of music, I think the ambient sound is um, was also a bit lacking in some areas. Some areas were quiet, like complete silence. Some areas mm-hmm. did have a little bit of like a uh, some like sound effects, like from a pipe or maybe just like a ambient synth or something that was not quite mm-hmm. a melody, not quite a song, but just like a, a synth that was playing to give like a hallway a feel, you know. So yeah. I felt like it was a little inconsistent in that way. Sandy, I do agree with you that it being like a, you know, a horror tinge sort of affair that I think it, it sort of lends to uh, that genre and it, it fits. Obviously I wasn't expecting like a fanfare or like a (laughs) every time you Mm. beat like a, you know, but it was just, I thought it was going to be, honestly, I just thought it was going to be, cooler i thought it was going to be more of uh what i don't know like what genre would you call that main battle theme that like like what that bounce that it has because it's like kind of pop but yeah. i don't know what whatever yeah, you're genre right that it doesn't is. really have a genre because i was going to say like, it's like i i kind of define it by like the little like the battle theme is like to start with like the little like i don't know piano like scented like bam, 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 bam. like that to me is kind of what defines the whole thing as it kind of yeah. goes into it and then you got the like the yeah, yeah it's yeah. weird right it's you could probably splice a lot of things a little pop a little housey like yeah. so I, I think i think yoko has always been very good at getting a lot of uh different genres into her her soundtracks on there and being a bit forward thinking with them and i think a lot of the soundtrack on this is pretty forward thinking for the time as well because it's it's as we mentioned, it's a horror game and it has a lot of ambient tunes, which I think you could probably align up with. You know, oh, this is kind of in the style of a Resident Evil. It's just something so right. in the background, which I think yeah. is like you know, if you're in the sewers or especially when you're in the hospital with the power off, I think yep. it's really good there. Yeah, but then yeah. at the same time, it's like a role playing game. You're getting into battles, so you got your <laughs> battle theme, you got your yeah. boss theme, and these are a lot more high energy. And mm-hmm. I, I think, like you said, um, Ben, it is like. You know, sometimes I think you would expect more battle themes or more kind of variants in them, which I think is a bit more common for for newer games in, in the genre for sure. But I think back then, like even most role playing games usually have like one or two base battle teams and they'll they'll keep that consistent for like thirty hours of the game. Uh yeah. I think I think in this one, like it's it is I guess you could say it is quite repetitive, but I, I, I probably fell into the camp where I thought it was really, really good <laughs> for like the yeah. what is it, maybe like ten hours of the runtime. I was very happy with just that for, for as long as we had it. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, real quick. Um mm. what are you what are you guys' playtimes? Uh like what did it come out to you, you know, finishing the game? I'll 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 be the first to admit that I didn't beat the game because mm. I couldn't beat the game <laughs> because I was already playing I probably told, I was telling Sandy, I probably totaled out about 25 hours playing this game mm. with f- five of the hours, uh, or maybe even six, honestly, trying to beat the third form of the ultimate being boss at the end. Oh, I yeah, not, yeah. I couldn't beat him. I played for six hours uh, from this Tuesday, from this past Tuesday, and yeah. then I tried again on, I think the last time I tried was Friday, and I was like, fuck this shit, I cannot fucking, I'm just going to watch this fucking ending. <laughs> like, it was so stressful, but, um, no, I was yeah, what did you guys truth. end up with, hours? I didn't beat the game either. I I got to the, I beat the final boss. Technically, and, you yeah. did, I would say you did beat it more Technically. than I did. <laughs> I got to the boss, and then when you get into the room, 
instead of opening the door when you have to like lead it into the like I know the exactly thing, what you've done. I went to go I, save. I also, I also did this shit. You tried to save, and then you die, and then you have to fight the boss again. You're like, ah, oh, yeah. fuck this shit. At that, that point, I was like, fuck this. My, my stupid, like, my fucking ape brain being like, right, I know I need to run away from this guy, but what if I try to save real quick? Yeah. <laughs> exactly it's, that's such I a I, that's such a funny trap though i think in retrospect it's like at the time i was like no fuck this but like in retrospect i'm like there's a door to escape no nah, man let me get the phone real quick let's think about how the designers and just like the overall planning of that came along where it's just like the director's like okay so let's make the 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 boss four stages incredibly difficult to uh i think the third one is the hardest from what i was reading Th- third one is like the only one that's really like the by far the most challenging the yeah. fourth one is more of a gimmick bit where right. you just gotta wait yeah. to uh to, to a cutscene happens then you pretty much win and then after the after the player goes through these tribulations and they go back into the room let's uh let's have them want to save and let's do an instant death if they try <laughs> yeah, to like- save no one in the room was like it's like wow that, that fight was hard because it's literally like that fight was hard i don't want to have to do it again it's literally yeah, just, saved. just yeah it's like oh shit man that was tough well what's the worst thing that could happen right now having to do that again well guess what <laughs> they were even worse like, i saw that, that you couldn't control. save and i was like fuck and i tried to run to the door real fast and it's just spinning slow as fuck to like open the door. there's literally like there's no way that you can pick up that phone and get out of that room i don't think i i, I think you're done so yeah <laughs> it's it's really funny it's insane like what like, it's like the director I will, was like i hate gamers i want them to suffer <laughs> like, i wish more games would do that but like fuck you guys <laughs> you ass- you assholes i would like uh, to know like the actual finish rate um or the completion rate that people like because i mean okay think about it 1998 like people buy this game they get to that ending they're like fuck th-. like how many people actually beat parasite even maybe this was the reason that's just like yeah not many people beat it <laughs> or could <laughs> I, I think the thing with Parasite Eve is it's it's legitimately a game where if you don't understand some of the base mechanics of like the weapon system and whatnot, you can legitimately like f yourself and yeah. you're gonna have a really hard time. You know, like when you said you've struggled for like a few hours on like that boss, it's like yeah, you could absolutely do that if you just you know if you because I mean you pick up like tools and weapons and stuff and you're like oh yeah I'll use this or I'll use this tool. It, it, this is really important to know. <laughs> And yeah. if you mess it up, you're just going to be really underleveled. Yeah, and you can be um, like me using an ice gun with two shots at the end of the game <laughs> with no damage. There's there's this illusion, and this obviously gets more into the gameplay, which we could talk about later, mm. but there's this illusion that there's more open-endedness to how you could tackle something, you know, that you mm. have all these options. Here are, here are all these guns and all these effects with the guns. Go ahead and choose what you... It's like, no, you have to p- pick a specific thing if you fuck around and do rate of fire or if you're choosing uh, like you yeah no there's a way that you have to play this game which is just a fucking it's a trick it's a goddamn trick <laughs> like, I don't yeah know. yeah yeah it's it's pretty interesting but i mean i think like for me just to go on a runtime i think mine was like 10 hours right and that was oh. true that was that was but skipping wow. but like i think there, i think I think there's an optional area, right? The warehouse. The warehouse, yeah. So there, there's a there's a point there's a point in the game where it tells you go to Chinatown or go to the warehouse. Yeah. And I like I said, it's my first time playing it. I try not to use a guide whenever I'm playing a game for the first time, just to have Same. like a an authentic experience. And I just completely missed the warehouse entirely, uh, which I'm not sure what was in there, but I did feel a little uh, 
dicey when it came to the end of the game and i was like i feel like i'm not leveled up enough for this yeah which yeah. keep in mind i i barely scraped by every single item i had to use i was down to like minuscule health each time i couldn't believe like i won these fights and i thought eve uh on the statue of liberty was the final boss so i blew all my stuff there and yeah. i was like wow i can't believe i don't I can't believe i barely scraped through it and then the game kept going i was like well this is it <laughs> we're done see, see my i justified it in my mind i justified it in my mind like well sean plays a lot of these ps1 games so of course he's gonna know how to fucking manage his inventory he's gonna know when to use the health items he's gonna know how to finesse it um mm. so that's that, that's my excuse so i had an inventory full it. of medicine fours <laughs> I still struggle. Like by the time I got to like the final final boss, I had literally zero. I was just running around with like three health, just like spamming like heal three as it like slowly recharged. Like, please give me a chance to not die for a second. Like I was just struggling. What did you guys think of the designs of the creatures? Because I feel like that's not something that seems to be talked about a lot um, in this game uh, when I like look online. And it's the it's, worms like were it's stupid. A big part. <clears throat> they looked ugly. The, the worm, the look, not the little worms when you go to the zoo, or were they snakes? Yeah, like I don't know. I think they were popping out I the th- ground. I, th- I think they might. Oh, I know. All of those guys were they're shooting at the little balls at you. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That was probably the worst designed creature. But every other creature, amazing. Like the moles. Yeah, the moles I love the somewhere. pterodactyls. I love the birds. The weird, gross rats. I loved every single monster design, except for the boss that was on the hospital. I felt it was a little oh, too s- over-designed. Spider? Yeah. Spider one? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I, cause I think... I in general, yeah. Yeah, because I think one of the things with the game that it does quite well, considering how insane almost all of its designs are, because it's pretty much like, here's an animal, here's a now evil, spooky version of that animal. But they managed to actually introduced that at the very beginning of the game with the cutscene with the rat it's showing you how eve affects the animals so you're kind of going you're basically just killing all of new york zoo animal population (laughs) throughout this game but like it actually makes sense in the context of what it's showing you which is quite interesting yeah and i like that it kind of goes from just giving you insane amounts of weird creatures to kill like you know one minute you're finding a mole and a worm then you're finding giant cockroaches a spider on a hospital alligator uh dinosaur <laughs> like, yeah. like that's yeah. a all over <laughs> yeah i i like that they kind of they went a bit like they kept the horror elements in it because all these things look disgusting they're like weird creepy creatures and a lot of them get you know cutscenes. some of them don't like i think the weird thing with the spider is that you don't really get an introduction to it you're just on the top of the hospital and it's like oh there's a big spider up here go fight that yeah but uh it's i i, re- I really enjoyed them in the game for sure yeah they uh it, i think there was a great variety for sure of things that you were fighting um every area seemed to have something unique and uh most of the enemies i thought were well designed with like you know fun patterns to try and um at least like some of the boss some of the bosses were more frustrating but just like the enemies that you encounter as you're kind of you know scurrying around the subways and you know wherever, mm. but um yeah I I did enjoy them and it actually reminded me a lot of R- Resident Evil Six's uh, designs for their like zombified animals. Yes. So 
it feels it felt a lot like that, which I thought was interesting too, because obviously Resident Evil Six comes years after this, but uh, yeah, I just I don't know, I just kind of like noticed that, especially like with the dinosaur. Do you remember? In Resident Evil Six, when you fight the tra- the guy, it transforms into like he six trans- dinosaurs. <laughs> At the end of Leon's campaign, it transforms into a dinosaur. Yeah. Anytime somebody mentions Resident Evil Six, it sounds like the greatest fucking game. Ever. It is. I like, yeah, like, I, like I no no no, it's bad, it's bad. But like, but what you're saying, <laughs> no, is, listen, is the coolest shit ever. Just take away the Resident Evil part and just just play a great action just call game. it six it, yeah <laughs> stupid action game starring people Ex- you punch you drop kick somebody you, you you do a backflip off of something and drop kick somebody like that's cool in a resident evil uh, game man i tell you what if they remake resident evil 6 someday and like make all oh, they will stuff cool and just keep all the crazy shit in and and they will and it will be their best-selling game i promise you give it four years we're gonna be resident <laughs> evil 6 remake and it's gonna be glorious we're gonna be there first day and be like i told you guys go back to that yeah. first halloween special we told y'all <laughs> yeah resident evil 6 is amazing um yeah and I, I what's interesting to me is i feel like the gameplay maybe not uh you know a lot of people didn't like how action focused it was but I fit, it still feels like Resident Evil to me. From yeah. 4, 5, and 6, it feels like a natural progression. I'm like, this is what 4 was, barring maybe some of the slightly overtop set pieces, you know? some. Yeah. But, like, this is the same shit. You're fighting trolls in Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Like, you're like, fighting like, giant sharks, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, the whole over-the-shoulder third-person shooter thing, it, it's pretty much all kicked off thanks to Resident Evil 4. So when people yeah. are saying, like... Yeah, all this stuff, you know, it's it's a bit too silly. It's it's you know, it's trying to do some like Gears of War. It's trying to follow the yeah. trends and stuff. It's like Resident Evil started that trend. Resident Evil mm-hmm. Four started that. This yeah. is Resident Evil doing Resident Evil. This is what you you guys loved, and they're just taking it to the extreme. It's yeah. just you know, it has to be a, at least a little bit spooky. <laughs> well, some of it bit. is a little bit. Yeah. Some of it is. Yeah, yeah. Some of it's also um, really cool and not spooky, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I have some more for the presentation. Uh, mm. I really liked the little touches, like Aya wearing her ball gown. I feel like in that time you didn't really get a female lead character like that wearing a more feminine outfit um, in that beginning section. It was cool. It feels like in the 90s you were like this gung-ho, like, you know, if you think about Final Fantasy games or even just in culture, you know, you weren't yeah. going to be, like, to open... To pitch a game and be like, okay, so you're going to start out as this character. She's a cop. But at the first level, she's going to be in a gown, you know. And you're like, wait, what? Kids are going to want to play? Where did she hide the <laughs> as gun? This... Yeah. like, like yeah. So it's just kind of, I thought it was kind of ballsy. I also thought it was, it felt very, like, mature. And it felt like it was pushing some boundary. Um, it's, yeah. It's not even that she's, like, in a gown strictly. Like, that's, I think that's a really nice aesthetic to it. I, I just love the idea that she's going on a date. Yeah, and it's like a bad date, you know. Yeah. Like the whole opening of the game is kind of just—it's a very standard thing. Like you, people have been on dates or bad dates, you know. Yeah. But I just love that this opening to the game is such like a normal kind of awkward experience. You know, it doesn't really make Aya seem like superhuman or anything. She's just like, oh, I'm a cop. Yeah. I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose, and it goes to, you know, just the most crazy thing you've ever done with like a gal in a ball gown. Yeah. down the sewers it's it's pretty cool <laughs> very very cool i thought just it just makes me think how cool this game could look um in a different way obviously because it looks you know like amazing now but mm. as a remake 
I just feel like they could really do some crazy ass shit with it um, visually to really bring that stuff to like the modern age. But um, I'll move quickly here. Uh, I have. What do you guys think about the FMVs? Because I feel like, in my eyes, I feel like they went from okay to really good all of a sudden. <laughs> like I feel like the quality improved. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think like I think Square were like the best at FMVs during that during the whole of the PlayStation era, and I think for me personally, I think Parasite Eve is like one of their like highlights because it's the game plays a pretty integral role on FMVs to kind of show the the larger than life moments because all yeah. of the all yeah. of the biggest set pieces in these games take place in the FMVs. I would say all of the biggest horror moments in this game take place in the FMVs. Yeah. And I think early on it goes from like the crazy horror stuff, like especially with the opening, like even the opening scene, I would say is one of probably the strongest I've seen in a game because it's so incredibly like visceral and uh, disgusting. And it's like, it's not just somebody dying. It's a whole room of people like bursting into flames, which is incredible to see in action. And then it just escalates from there. Like I think the, the scene later in the game with like, like Lorraine and Daniel where they try to get there just in time and then everybody just turns into a giant pool of human just melt goo like you're getting to watch that I it's absolutely incredible to see because I don't think any game has ever gone that over the board at least in like a mainstream at least in Square's sense you know because they're putting like you know high quality top of the line FMV work into a video game and they're using it to do like craziest thing you've ever seen this is why i think if they were to remake that game i don't think they'd be able to do the cutscenes in the same way i think they would be legitimately too graphic to pass the sensor oh Uh, what what they're doing i don't think any game could do that like real like a realistic version of that i think it would be too too heavy for a sensor honestly and that's that's wild (laughs) yeah i think specifically about the scene where daniel hops out of the helicopter to throw the ammo oh my god and the best the best scene i've ever seen that yeah that cannot be remade did you that is the best cutscene i've ever like i mean because that game is just in a series of insane escalations up until that (laughs) point and i don't think i've like i i remember watching it in motion like a couple of days ago and i was like this might be the coolest thing i've ever seen it was in a PlayStation amazing. game. I screamed. Yeah. I was like, "Yeah, go!" And he's like, unironically, and he's just fine afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unironically, I thought it was like badass. I was like, "I was like, damn, was... this is the way he goes." Damn, man. Because you you can question like, oh man, like wow, how improbable is it that this dude would jump from a helicopter, burst into flames, and yeah. nail the one troll with a couple of bullets? <laughs> but like, that's that's what all like that's what all action movies back then were you know yeah. the most improbable thing happening in the coolest way imaginable <laughs> yeah. that's all you that, want <laughs> that, that Aya would know that he's throwing a fucking cartridge of ammo like she just like looks at him and like it's just so yeah funny. got it i know it's... what gun to use this in <laughs> it's yeah but like that's that's what it's all about not everything has to be the pinnacle of logic sometimes something yeah. can just be cool for the sake of it and i think that is peak cool. You know, very, flaming very, man in the sky. <laughs> so very, cool. Very, yeah. I think the lighting somehow, it looked like it improved. I don't know if it was just me in like the later cutscenes when she's on the naval ship. Uh, I don't know if it's the light source, but I feel like in the earlier scenes, they mm. a lot of the FMBs did look a little flat to me. But later mm. on, I was like, holy shit, that actually like looks like, that's like Toy Story level, if not better. Like, it looks really good. 
Oh, um, yes. But yeah, I mean, it was there. There's some great FMVs. Uh, you know, we played Fear Effect last, and I think I don't think I've played a game <clears throat> since that has FMVs. Have we, Sandy? Have we played any FMV? Titles? We haven't played any FMV games. I've played yeah. an FMV game personally, but yeah. Oh, you wait, which uh, Silent Hill, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, that has FMVs. Those are really good looking too. Uh, the movement's a little weird, but it kind of bothered me that Aya always had her pistol, even though you maybe had a different gun in battle. I was confused. Mm. I'm like, was there a resource issue possibly where they're like, oh, we can't have her carrying the shotgun or the like. It always has to be a pistol. What do you guys think about that? What you guys? Yeah, think? I always thought that was awkward how it just transitions, and it's always like a weird delay where she's like, pistol. Yeah. Mm. Now nah, I'm holding an assault <laughs> rifle. <laughs> Always thought that yeah. was weird. I I think it could be because some of the cutscenes have her, you know, with one hand without a pistol and one hand with a pistol. Like most of the time, it's her either running like this or just running around like with a pistol in her hand and then something else. And I think maybe for just transferring into certain scenes that are in game, it probably might have been easier to keep it like that. Because if you change the model to like holding most of the other weapons, which are like assault rifles, grenade right. launchers, shotguns, that kind of thing, it it you might have to completely change how some things are done it, it's one of those little things that i kind of learned to live with in the ps1 you, you look at it and you go mm, oh it'd be yeah. cooler if she did this and she did that but i usually think there's probably a reason for it somewhere yeah so, but uh, I, I but i get what you mean for sure yeah that's what i imagined um all right well i don't know do you guys have anything else about the presentation the ui or anything else i'll save it for uh, gameplay I, I want to shout out the world. I want to shout out uh, the world map, which I really like. Oh fuck! I, yes, the yeah. world map. Ah, the world map. The like part. it's, it's, it's pretty inconsequential in the grand scheme of things. Like I mean, you could just you could have just had it be a static menu or like the map right. in New York, and you just cycle through it. But I think doing kind of like this because it's a rend it it's a rendered map. You know, like it's very detailed, and then when you get into it very close, it's very crunchy PlayStation looking thing. Yes, and I just yes. I like as an aficionado of world maps, I think getting to see a square, square soft New York scrunchy world map is uh, is a joy, especially since it has a day and a night cycle as well. So you get two different variations of it. And oh, you yes. get a lovely little piece of music while you're on it as well. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, shout out to that. Completely inconsequential to the game, but like really cool. <laughs> it added. It made a. Uh... I think that, um, I mean, I would argue that it's pretty integral to making it feel like a bigger world, right? Um, yeah. I, I, I think it definitely adds to the space of the game, and it gives you a good, uh, you know, like, um, a sense of the geography. And, yeah, the helicopter view of it, as it's spinning and you hear, like, the helicopter, like, it's just, yeah. it's so badass. I'm just like, this is incredible. And it looks amazing. It has that retro PS1, you know, crunchy graphics mm. like you're describing. Yeah, that, I don't know why I didn't put that in there, but it was one of my favorite parts. I I think yes. I just I spaced yeah. on it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to <laughs> like like yeah, like it could have been nothing, you know. It could have just been there, and you wouldn't even have thought about it otherwise. But it yeah. it kind of shows you the effort that they put in goes to kind of just really add to these sort of things. It's making something that could be nothing something. Yeah, and I think that's a great example of it. Yeah, yeah. It definitely makes uh, I always having her pistol uh, more forgivable. Because if that was the trade-off, like, well, we can make this really cool world map, yeah. or... Yeah. Or, or she holds a slightly longer black series of yeah. pictures. <laughs> yeah, that, that might have been the, the conversation. All right, let's move into mm. story. Um, Sean, since you're the guest again, let's let's have you give us your uh, 
your impressions and your thoughts interesting any stuff like that cool uh i, I guess first thing i'll state is that i'm aware parasite eve is is a follow-up to a book called parasite eve so it's actually based off a a horror novel from japan that was then turned into a movie that square decided they were like oh we're gonna make a game as a follow-up to this book because it was pretty pretty popular in japan at the time i think so it's it's pretty interesting in that regard because it's technically a standalone thing because i would say the vast majority of people who ever played this game especially if you live in uh, north america would not know that this is a follow-up to a book right there's parts in the story that allude to the book but it's completely standalone in its nature entirely yeah. and i played through the game without reading the book or watching the movie just to kind of get the experience that most people would have had from it and i think it's kind of incredible that they managed to make this cool standalone story with a lot of you know scientific concepts and all sorts of different things within it that is actually legitimately derived from another story and has you know continuation from that but mm -hmm. completely works on its own merit which is uh interesting so I, I guess the question is how did you guys know about the book did you read anything about the book or did you just kind of pop in the game and go all right let's see what it's gonna tell you because it's very few games would do that especially from square you know Oh, yes. I knew at least about the movie, but I didn't know about the book until we started doing research for this episode. And yeah. as I was researching it after playing the game, from what I understand, the book is essentially a scientific dissertation about literal mitochondria and the body works of a cell. It's like a theory in the scientific realm of like, hey, me, what if we are just a bunch of microorganisms forming mm. as one bodily unit and stuff like that and he kind of explores that deeper in the book but it's kind of weird because it's very scientific it was i guess it's really cool for japan at the time and yeah. the movie isn't a one-to-one -one, also isn't a one-to-one -one telling of the book even though it follows mm. the same like plot it's like yeah. completely different from both and then the game is completely different from all three. And there's a specific scene, I think, right after Aya wakes up from I forgot what happened in between. I think it might have been after the hospital. But there is a particular mm -hmm. scene where they break down like this is the synopsis of the book. This is what happened. Here it goes right here. And if you don't know, you would know like, oh, this is based on the book. This is what they're explaining to me right now. But in context, after if you understood like, OK, that's the book. This is based on something else. This is a sequel of sorts yeah. then you can appreciate it a little bit more yeah like the way it works is it kind of goes through like you get introduced to the mystery you get introduced to the characters you get like dripped little piece of information like like you would as, as a, like a cop thriller you know you're kind of asking each other questions i mean the game has a lot of slower burn bits where it has a lot of a lot of talking between the different characters a lot of progression of the story um in between all these big action sequences and you kind of get brought through this nice natural progression where you're learning more and more about things and then they bring in the character maeda from japan who essentially acts as he's like hey guys i've uh i have information about the book <laughs> the first book and everything that happened there and i'm here to fill in the blanks between what's happening i am here. lore I'm, guy what do you need it's it's really <laughs> like because Exposition the, the book yeah because i mean like the original story takes place in japan naturally so they just got a guy from Japan to fly in. He's like, oh, something's going on in North America. That sounds a bit similar to something that happened here. Let me let me check on that. 
I'm impressed at how well it works as a standalone thing. I didn't like, I mean, you could probably feel a bit lost with some of the more scientific elements that are there because you are getting dumped with a lot of a lot of terms. And it's even though it is quite accurate and it, a lot of this is taken from real life research. I think at one point they reference Richard Dawkins at one point in some of their his theories yeah. and whatnot. Um, it's it's impressive how easy like how not lost I got in not only this story but considering it was derived from an existing one. I thought it was pretty pretty well done. Yeah, it was. I think uh, it was very streamlined. It was uh, paced well. I don't think there was a single level to that or like a story beat or anything that overstayed its welcome. Uh, I think all the yeah. like all the scenes that happened felt like they were good character moments or good uh, expository. <clears throat> I think everything just worked for me. I, I don't know. I feel like normally I would be one to get lost in the sauce, but I mm-hmm. didn't in this. I was like, oh shit. Like, this is uh, totally making sense to me. And they sort of expand on the the mitochondria, um, like, sort of, like, the backbone, you know, of, of the whole story is this whole mod- mitochondria thing. And I mm. think they drip feed it to you in a way, and it expands, and it expands. And so, like, you start to build on the elements that they've sort of laid out for you. And it starts to make yeah. sense, although it gets a bit wonky at the end with so much that happens you're like wait what the f-? okay you know like the ba- <laughs> i don't think the, that part's the about birth- a country <laughs> yeah yeah like the whole like yeah uh what the ultimate being being birthed in the water and just like oh yeah because the because the ocean is the motor of the crater yeah stuff. yeah yeah so it, it was all it, it like it was surprisingly good very i can't stress how japanese it felt with with those certain moments but uh, very well done and i thought even like this would be a good movie like this is yeah you know flesh out some it, of the characters but it would be a great movie or it would be like a great part uh, a part tv serial or something it was like yeah. when you guys mentioned with like the csi kind of thing it has that kind of structure to it as well where each part of the game kind of feels like well here's a, a level and here's like a story segment in it and if you were to break that into because it even is broken up into parts like it's in a day system right you have like yeah. day one to six is is how it's in there. So it feels like the game is broken up into its individual sections, Episodes, you know? Like yeah. I Yeah. Like I like I think of the beginning of the game, obviously you have the pretty high paced start when you're in the opera, and then you go into a more slow paced bit where you're talking with the police and you get to meet everybody in the station, you get introduced to the characters and kind of there. Because yeah. there's not like a huge cast of characters, but I think the cast that is there are all pretty consequential like i love that yeah. the, the dudes the gun dudes like the yeah. gun who's very much like he's like man i work with guns i hate guns and then the dude is like man i love guns and i think they have a fun little story you meet the dog which leads up to <laughs> later in Oof. the game you meet like you know daniel daniel's son you hear about lorraine i like that it gives you these little bits of like normal interaction and they almost all pay off at some point throughout the story even as it goes from being that more kind of cop drama uh to the more you know insane action triple a movie fighter pilots melting <laughs> in the sky <laughs> that kind of thing yeah i think they they handle characters uh they handle them all very well they they set them up like the guys in the uh, precinct the the gunsmiths or whatever the, those yeah. guys they set them up with um sort of reasons for why they are the way they are they yeah. especially like it has the whole status quo change where you're going back to the precinct, you're going out, you know, and exploring or uh, just further investigating. And then when Eve attacks the precinct, 
and then everything changes and then you yeah. kind of get a little bit of character moments for each person uh and then you get even nice dialogue in between uh, story beats where you're traveling in the cop car with oh yeah know, between Daniel Aya and and uh Maeda and it, it's I'm like this is good this is good ass shit it's yeah it's it's good it's good conversation and it, like uh, those scenes look really good too I never got like sick of those mm-hmm. and like just the the multiple because they change the angles sometimes sometimes on the side sometimes in the back you just see Maeda's head on his shoulders yeah. up <laughs> yeah. it's it's very it's ingenious. really well done yeah yeah I really liked it. Um, very, it felt very inspired uh, to me. I was like, "Yeah, this is these camera angles that they're putting here. Uh, they really want this to feel like a movie. I think to to feel cinematic. I think on the on the box art it says like a cinematic RPG or something like that. Right? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. Like that's that, so, that that's the goal. You know, I, I think that kind of permeates through the entire thing. It's very story focused, but like it's not meant to be as long. It's more we're going to just give you a lot of stuff very quickly a nice condensed like that's the thing like i think games are generally a bit longer but even this is a bit shorter by some square standards and i think that's what they they mean by the whole you know cinematic aspect of it beyond all the the cool cutscenes and beyond all the cool camera angles they're trying to give you a more compact cinematic experience as they say and yeah it's, oh, it's yes. pretty sweet what do you guys think about oh go on Sandy. i was gonna say the only thing i didn't like was how the game ended with them going to the opera i kind of felt that was a little tone deaf Especially because like thousands of people yeah. have died. <laughs> I thought something similar to. I was like, isn't? Wouldn't there be like a almost like, like a, a memorial? memorial? Yeah. yeah. Like, when? Yeah. Unless it was like I don't know, ten years after, but I don't think it was. I think I it was like, like, it was I, like I, a month later or something crazy. Because like, Ben, the little kid, right? He's still he's still there. Yeah, yeah. I I did find it like because there's two parts to the ending, right? Like. The part where they all stand up when the fire comes out and they're like, oh, no, like they have some sort of like PTSD. <laughs> and they're like, I thought I thought that was very like funny and overblown, almost like a comedy moment. Yeah. But then yeah. when it transfers into the end where you have like all the, the mitochondria eyes where it's like, oh, it's still it's inside everybody. It's never not fully gone away. I think that yeah. part of the ending was good. But I do agree with you in the sense that, you know, there's probably a more respectful way of doing this <laughs> yeah. but i think that but that's but that also you could say it's very indicative of classic you know 90s action movies where like something crazy would happen uh and, like yeah. you know the white house would get blown up and then they're just at like a diner oh or something yeah celebrating they're just the at the like, airport yeah, like fine. i'll see you next time <laughs> it's it's you're not mourning the dead you're celebrating being alive i think that's it <laughs> yeah that is yeah that's very true um what do you guys think about Aya as a character, um, as our main protagonist, Aya? What, how, yeah, what do you guys think of her? Yeah, I, I, I really liked Aya. I thought she was a really, uh, a, re- a really strong lead character. I kind of liked her, um, because you know, it's, it's not like the funniest, I, I think, but there's like a few funny moments. There's a few nice human moments between her and Daniel, especially, mm-hmm. and her relationship, but like the rest of the precinct and even Maeda to a certain extent, because a lot of, a lot of the story beyond that kind of revolves around the the mystery of Aya's past and how she's tied in with Eve and how she's tied in with um God, I can't remember the name of the opera singer is it like Maria Melissa or something Melissa yeah and how she's tied in with Melissa and how that all pans out I think is is pretty interesting you know I she's not like the most bombastic square mm. character ever but I don't think she really needs to be in the context of this game um. I went like I I got to the end of the experience. I felt like I wanted to see more of her. I feel like she's a good character, kind of like a uh, a more 
grounded version of the usual Squaresoft protag. One, one of their more fully likable ones, I think, just because she's so normal and, I guess, unfazed by how crazy everything is. She's like, wow, this is insane. Why me? Yeah, yes. I, you know, I'm a cop. I got a sense of justice, that kind of thing. I think my favorite scene is with her and Daniel right after the opera scene and they're in the car and she's just like, it's a bad date. Uh, that <laughs> <Yeah>. sucks. <laughs> like that gave me a little bit more characterization. And I feel like a lot of the because it, it kind of take her out of it a little bit so that she can be the player insert for the mysteries of everything going on. But I felt mm. I do agree that as a character. I can see, especially with Parasite Eve 2 or even the third birthday, I don't know how they do it or we'll, we'll see eventually, but I can see them progressing the character further and giving her more, especially in the second and third games. She's probably at the point where she's like, I know what this shit is. It's not surprising to me no more. I'm not going to be like, what? I'm going to just go yeah. in and handle business. And I can see her becoming that stoic, badass action hero that you can usually see by the time in like a third sequel. Like, what's a good example? Like, Taken 2 and uh, Taken 3. <laughs> Taken 2. Okay. So it always okay. comes back to Taken it 2. All roads lead back to Taken 2. Because <laughs> ta- Taken 1, you kind of, you get this sense of the mystery. But by Taken 2 and 3, he's even the other, or like John Wick, where it's like, you know where what you're like, fighting well, look, up we, against. We know by now, like, you don't mess with John Wick. We know by now that you don't take john taken's daughter exactly (laughs) john taken why would you take my family you saw what i did last time (laughs) we have to do it why do we have to teach you this lesson again (laughs) yeah uh aya to me was she she was super normal and i think uh she was very grounded and she was reacting how i would think anybody would react in maybe something i guess in this sort of uh Mm. 80s you know kind of vibe um, but, uh, yeah, I really liked her. I don't actually know her progression character-wise um, in Third Birthday or Parasite Eve 2. Third Birthday, because I just don't remember. And I think, yeah, I, I don't know what her progression is in that. Yeah, you haven't um, played it that since then. It's a weird one to look at. Like, I, I guess, just to give you a quick primer of it, Parasite Eve 2, she's, like, known as kind of, like, a hero for what happened at New York. And she goes to okay. work for, like a branch of the FBI that are specifically fighting parasites and preventing ah, mitochondria again. Okay. So now she's in LA in yeah. the, in the FBI. And it's, it, it is like what you said. It is more badass action hero. They send an eye braille where something is going down. Ah, uh, so Kennedy. Okay. Yeah. Pretty, pretty I'm... much. Yeah. She's like, you've survived one ordeal. Now you're our expert at it. You can't right. tell anybody. Um, third birthday. I, I briefly played the third birthday before. But, like, I think even if you watch a trailer of the third birthday, so much insane stuff is happening. Like, I know, like, Parasite Eve in itself, there's some insane stuff happens. But there's, like, ghost spirits flying in and out of people. I think she can, like, take over people's bodies and whatnot. Yeah, That's where yeah. people were like, all right, you might have jumped the shark a little bit here. You've no more <laughs> the hell out of it. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her parasite ability or whatever, she can uh, hop into different people, different perspectives, which, uh, I mean, mitochondria... I feel yeah, like that kind of makes sense in some way now, based on what we played. No, I yeah. think I think it's just one of those ones where, like, when you look at like the transfer from game to game, you know, it's I know it's their excuse to be like we're going to change up the gameplay entirely because yeah. that one's more of a third person body swapping action game yeah. from what I from what I gather. But even then, it's like I think Parasite Eve Two was like an action game, but you still have like 
it's still a Parasite Eve game. This mm. one feels like it could be like <sighs> insane levels mind, of, mind of over the top. Was that God Eater? Oh man, yes, yeah, straight straight up Mind Jack or <laughs> that GameCube FPS Geister. Some oh yeah, yeah, Geister. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like second yeah. second sight, can't you? Sorry, yeah, yeah, second sight, yes. Yeah, it's like a psy- so- psyops maybe. I feel like that happens to us. <laughs> all, all the so- all the psychic games, but I haven't played Third Birthday in a long time. Nor have I played it with the context of previous Parasite Eve games yeah. to really know the thing. But it's just listen. I I always say if you look for reactions from people on the internet for things, you're probably going to find people hating on it for one reason or another. <laughs> so I'll I'll wait until I eventually play it myself. Right. Yeah. 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 You be the you know the judge. Um, mm. I think, uh, yeah, so like I was mentioning earlier, I think there were some great setups, um, and there's a lot of things that are moving in the background, uh, you know, when the chief dies and Daniel sort of takes his position, but Daniel wants to be sort of a boots on the ground, not behind the desk kind of character. The guy that hates guns, when he dies, and then his partner or whatever that's in that same room takes his position. Mm. So there's a lot of nice moments of move, of progressing things and things developing, uh, so things don't feel so static uh, or just so like this is just the plot of like the mystery of Eve. There's other things happening. And I really like really appreciated that because it really just gave a lot of life to all the characters, the world itself. Like there's mm. lives outside of uh, out of Aya. And it was it was cool. I was like, this is so well done. Like, honestly, it felt and this might be one of my crazier hot takes. Sandy, you ready for this? Uh, oh no! <laughs> I'm already scared. My heart just sunk as soon as you said it. <laughs> Resident Evil One and Resident Evil Two, I feel like have weaker characters uh, and just development than what I'm seeing in this. No, like, no, you're right. You're I correct. feel like there's just more like going on, more gears turning, more momentum. Uh, I was kind of surprised. I was I was not expecting to go into this liking how they're handling these characters knowing their names, being interested. I, I just thought I was just going to like the aesthetic of the game and that's it. Yeah, but I was you thought it was just going to be just surprised. Aya and Daniel. You didn't think yeah. everybody ex- was going to be. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. That yeah, now that you bring analog it into Resident Evil, that is very, that is true because Resident Evil uses characters as a vehicle for you to experience the horrors right. of the mansion or Raccoon City or whatever's going on. And it's not until three or even four that you start getting that true or like even the spinoff games that you get the true characters, the characterization of those characters. Ooh, there we go. Yeah. Whereas Parasite (laughs) Eve, I do agree by the end of Parasite Eve, even Daniel jumping out of the helicopter every time Aida gave me a charm, I never threw it away. Because I was like, oh, this is my guy. I can't throw it away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The ending, like every single time. And like you said, like every time that they're driving in a car going somewhere and you get a little scene of them just talking. Most games are afraid to do certain things like that. Like, especially for such a concise and experimental game like this, you wouldn't expect them to do what they're doing with the characters. And it does make you excited for Parasite Eve 2 if there is one. Well. At the time, if there was going to be a second game, you would be like, oh, man, I can't wait to see what's happening with Daniel now that he's a chief. What's going on with that or with Aya? Some of the set pieces, too, were actually, to be a little corny here, were pretty, like, heart uh, pounding. 
specifically the hospital scene, right, where you're fighting that spider thing, you finally take yeah. it out, and then the fucking jet is coming towards you, and you're just like, where do I go? And you're, like, trying to yeah. fucking... <laughs> oh, you go out a little window thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you're, like, yeah, the little, uh, I don't know, like, the elevator thing that window washers use. Yeah. yeah. That, I was like, that was incredible. That was so cool for for what this game is. Like, even though it feels stiff, and there's the PS1 sort of, like, there, there's a sort of inflexibility that um, that's sort of limited by the the hardware, but it's still, like, when you're in it, I felt like that was a cool moment. Like, almost almost like a version of something that you would see in, in Uncharted, but in the PS1 sort of, like, uh, context. You know what I mean? It, it was that yeah. level of, like... It's one of those oh, scenes shit. where when this game eventually gets remade, you know that that's one of those scenes that's going to be amplified a lot more because of a remake when you see it in full 3D and seeing the velocity right. of the of the crane falling and stuff. It's just going to make it a lot yeah. better because when it falls in the game, you're just like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really feel like it's going anywhere. But you you imagine it. You're like, OK, yeah, exactly. I get, I, I get what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, the set piece, too, at the at the. Um, uh fuck i just lost my train of thought of which set piece i wanted to talk about that was also oh, are you talking um, about the statue of liberty the yes there's that one but also the very end after you beat the four stages of uh of the ultimate being you have to mm. obviously run through the entire ship as he's chasing you and that was just cool that's like a whole again like a uncharted moment right just like in ps1 era yeah, it's like you're just running and it's like slowly kind of but it was cool i was like this is and then obviously i didn't finish the game but i was watching the yeah. the video of it and i was like i could imagine playing this and not knowing where the fuck to go getting how stuck tense or, that shit is yeah how tense yeah. as you just like beat four stages of this thing and you're just like fucking white knuckling it as you're you know i don't know sean what did you fucking think I mean, I I don't know if you guys ever played the Spider-Man game on the PlayStation. It reminded me a lot at the very end of that game. There's a scene where you got to run away from like Carnage and Doctor Octopus who fuse together, and it's very similar to that. Where it's just the whole end of the game is just running away from this thing that's gonna wreck you, right? But this this to me felt like one of the most survival horror parts of it because I feel like those games kind of end with like a big fight, and then sometimes some sort of crazy thing pops out of nowhere, and you gotta escape like on a boat or something weird just away from that i i really like the idea of it um i i the only problem i have with it is just the fact that like you could take a wrong turn and yeah. then you're doing a four stage boss fight again <laughs> like in any other game even like in a modern game they would have like a checkpoint just before then where like yeah. uh, i went the wrong way don't worry about it there's like legitimate <laughs> punishment for it so i went from being like oh this is cool to oh no now I'm afraid of everything. And maybe that fear is good. You know, I like when games put a bit of fear into you where, like, you actually have a severe consequence for making a wrong move. But, um, yeah, I, I love the idea of it. Maybe the execution. Well, that that favorite. sort of was the uh, the philosophy, I think, too, with something like Fear Effect, which we played um, mm. two years ago. Oh, where yes. Rolling to save your life. Yeah, it's, like, difficulty... <laughs> was part of this this the horror like the terror you know yeah. as you're like trying you, to figure things out and it's instant death and you're like fuck this you, game if you if you me- if you mess up if you stutter uh you're like low times reloads like you gotta pay the piper for your sins here yeah of not rolling at the right time 
yeah the the punishment was brutal I, you know i mentioned struggling with that last uh boss mm. when you die you have to go back watch about three minutes worth of cutscenes to get back to fighting yeah the boss and i'm just like oh this is so brutal like can you imagine it, 1998 yourself sitting there <sighs> trying to fucking it's, like it's it's such a it's such a throwback. I like I can't tell you how many role playing games, especially that have like like I've messed up during it as a kid where I didn't level properly, got to a crazy hard boss fight and had to like completely like keep fighting it again and again and again, watching the same cutscenes. I think there was like two parts in FF10 specifically. Like I think the bit before like Yuna's wedding where you got onto the yeah. ship and have to fight something. I think that boss I messed up the leveling. And I had to watch that cutscene every single time I fought that boss. Good, like three minutes of them doing cool shit. And I'm like, I'm so sick of watching these people be fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sick of them getting you know? my ass beat. Yeah. It's it's so old school. And I think that it was like I had a bit of nostalgia being thrown back into it while doing this, but I still like can't believe that people used to put up with this thing. Yeah. Like, oh I, well. Yeah. What do you think? Okay, let's just talk about like the background. Like, why why couldn't they add a skip button to those cutscenes. Is it a disc-based issue? A text nah, like- you gotta watch this. <laughs> yeah, like, what? I, I, I legit think they're like, do you know how much money and time we put into this? You're gonna watch this, you know? Because, <laughs> like, if you skip all these things, you're, you're the, the runtime of our game is going down by about four hours, you know? Like, some yeah. dude who's rented this is like, no, man, you're renting it again. You ain't having it for one night. You're doing it <laughs> for two nights. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or it could just be, like, such a simple oversight where they're like, well, we don't want people to accidentally skip the cutscene, you know? So let's just add oh, no yeah. that's true. to skip it. Because if I like, press oh, start fuck. and I skipped a cutscene, I probably would have hated this game by accident. Yeah. No, not for real. Even even like the simple things nowadays, like the opening, you know, every single logo that comes at the beginning. So many games don't let you skip those either. They might have like four or five of those things. Yeah. You know, it's it's they I, I just think people didn't because they weren't even really a thing until about this generation. Because when you boot it up like a Super Nintendo game or an NES game, you're you're pretty much right in. Here you're just like, oh, we've they, they're gonna want to stay for the cutscenes. There's no reason they'd want to skip this, right? That'd be insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like they're adding play- a skip button to your video. Like you don't want to skip the movie. Why would you want to do that? <laughs> they're playing this for the cutscenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, the story I think very strong. As we're talking about the characters, strong. One of my favorite beats of the story is after the whole like Eve essentially just sweeps the whole fucking. Um, the precinct, and then there's like that mass evacuation from the city, and then yeah. you, as Aya and Maeda and Daniel, are like kind of scavenging through those fucking stores. Oh, in China. oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, this is so cool. Like it's just like deserted, but you're just going through picking up items. I was like, this is, I love that shit. I, yeah, like, just it's like the division cigarette on the like, side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> If it, it feels very division like, you know, yeah. and I think this is what we mentioned about my my idea of New York and snow. Like I can't everything I play is just like New York and snow. <laughs> <laughs> so so I I'm like, yeah, this is real. This is real New York. No, no, think about awesome. it. Every time I've been to New York, it has snowed. Nah, yeah. 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 No, it's it's true. See, it's true to life. And Have I you been in an March. abandoned <laughs> like yeah, if you've been in like a an abandoned store gun <laughs> shop or like a, like an old <laughs> apartment, like I don't know whose apartment they were sitting in during that scene either. <laughs> It's like a fire yeah. going on. Yeah, wait, was that not... Was that it just like a random apartment? apartment? I thought that was just like a random like building that they think, just 
repurposed. I think that was after the evacuation where they were just like just oh. chilling. It was weird. Yeah, you're right. Totally missed that. Yeah, because huh. that that's that's why I really liked about all the visual stuff because it's really weird to get these kind of locations in a pre-rendered SquareSoft game at all, you know? Right. And right. Uh, it's it was really sweet to see. All right, let's uh, go to gameplay. Um, Sandy, we'll go to you. What yes, are your, sir. What, are your, what what do you got for us? What do you? Think? I'm a, I'm gonna start off nice before I get into <laughs> the parts I don't I don't like. But I love the battle system. The battle system actually made me want to. I have Vagrant Story on the PS3, PS1 classics, and it really like after beating this game, I almost was like, let me just boot up Vagrant Story now, because I really I love the battle system that much, and I wanted to see how it was expanded on in other titles. And oh, you can probably elaborate you, on you this. Were, more. You were going to be very surprised when you play Vagrant Story. It's yeah. A, yeah, I'll tell you that much. Oh, yeah, Vagrant oh. Story. I thought this game was going to have Vagrant Story's battle system. Yeah, I was like, Vagrant Story with guns. Yeah, but it was it's not. not that. Okay, okay. <laughs> but Wait, no so that's, that's your Vagrant positive Story's battle about system. It? No, the, yo, Vagrant the battle Story has a rhythm-based topping system. You might be into that. <laughs> Let's go. That's all you had to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm booted up tonight. <laughs> no, but the battle system, I like the... The dodge, it felt kind of like a shmup a little bit sometimes where it's like, I'm waiting, so let me just dodge around and then position myself. And you can't just spam and be like, okay, I have my ATB up. Let me just shoot my bullets. You have to time it. If you shoot two bullets at this monster and it dies in one bullet, you just wasted a, a bullet. It's not going to auto target the next person. So you have to like strategically time like, okay, I think this is almost dead. Let me move to this next one. I like that system as well as the way that guns felt different, even though they're not really different, but just like when you get your first machine gun that has random and you're shooting around compared oh, to yeah. when you get your <laughs> rocket launcher and you shoot. Did you guys yeah. find the shotgun? Uh, I found first... the shotgun. I actually didn't find the rocket launcher. That, oh yeah, that was in the that was in the warehouse. Oh, yeah. well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> why, it, why didn't I find these cool weapons? <laughs> Me like it, not going the we- a weapon store. I ain't going there. Yeah, my dumbass had the shotgun and I was beefing it up, and then I fucked around and I accidentally used the tool and used the shotgun and like changed these... it onto a pistol. So I just took the rate of fire from the shotgun to a pistol and lost like everything at oh. the end. And I was like, no. God, yeah. God, yeah. Um, I yeah the the shotgun. First off, the rocket launchers look like shotguns, and then there was the actual rocket launcher that looked like a rocket launcher. It was very confusing to me at one point because yeah. you know yeah like, they were like grenade launchers because there was like the yeah. tranquilizer grenade launcher yeah. and then the ice grenade yeah. launcher. Yeah, but they looked like. It was weird to me. I was like, I don't... Uh... So I don't know if I ever got the shotgun, to be honest with you. I was using a grenade launcher as if it was a shotgun. Yeah, it did feel very shotgunny. I, yeah. I think it's interesting that the game, it, effe- it effectively just has a universal ammo system for the yeah. most part. Yeah. So like, you know, one round of a, of a pistol is the same as one round of a grenade, which is really weird in the game. But I think Convenient, the grenade sure. launcher did really feel like you know, you only get maybe like one or two bullets per your attack, but it feels more powerful and impactful. Yeah, when you're using them. Yeah, and then obviously the 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 range, you know, of each gun changed as well. How did you guys feel uh, about? I guess just sort of the explanation of 
the mechanics for the super tool and the tool and uh, the upgrade system. How'd you guys feel about all that? I think when I tinkered around with it for a little bit, it it made it made a bit of sense to me in that like what you needed to do with them. I think the problem that I had, and this is something that could be said for like a lot of role playing games, is that there are optimal ways to build things and to do things and i don't know if the game necessarily gives you a heads up about you know how you should be building certain things or what you should be valuing for a weapon or more importantly how many tools you're going to get because i would i would pretty much always use a tool as soon as i got a tool just to mess about and try new things with weapons like you know i would see oh this gun has two rate of fire what if i gave it seven rate of fire and even though seven rate of fire sounds better, it doesn't necessarily mean it's it's better or it's going to work <laughs> on that type of weapon, you know? Yeah. So instead of doing, like, I, I think the optimal way to do things in this game is to basically just keep trying to up damage, like find a yeah. find perks that work for you and the weapon of your choosing. So I, like, initially had a rifle for most of the game. Mm-hmm. And then towards the end, I reverted back to, like, a pistol, mm-hmm. which I was completely fine with using. But I spent way too many of my tools in this game just... Uh, putting new crap onto the pistol to find out that oh i don't actually like that very much you know is two better than three uh, it's pretty much the same uh, do i need this bit of extra ammo or this i should have just been saving it for damage and then waiting until i got like there's one gun at the end that you get that has double command on it yep that's the i should have been like at the end yeah 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 like that's easily the best command in the game right but it was my pistol was way stronger than that pistol and I didn't have a tool to move it over. And I'm like, oh, wow, if I had a, had a known or I had a done that. Uh, so, like, yeah. I got what their purposes were. I just had it. Like, if I, had a, if I went back into the game knowing what I know now, I would have played it completely different. Mm-hmm. But it, it's purely just the fact that if you, you can completely mismanage it enough to, like, actually make the game almost unbeatable for you. I, yeah. I find that, like, they probably could have done that a bit better. But that is very classic role-playing game stuff where yeah. it's just like uh don't mess about with things you might you might lose forever <laughs> yeah and it doesn't help that you lose your gun i think that's where my disdain for the system comes from is that once you take something from a gun that that gun is just destroyed gone from the ethosphere that's you, not like a restock option or oh you can get this gun from rejunking yeah. it or anything so like you, I had a gun. I was using I was using a gun. Then I had a rifle for a majority of the game, and then yeah. I was beefing up that rifle, prepping up for the end game. And then I found that pistol, and I accidentally transit transferred not my bonus points, but just the rate of fire onto that pistol, it's, and I lost yeah. all. I had like plus all thirty the, like, on like a gun because. Because that damage buff that you're meant to be basically carrying this one damage buff for the entire game and transferring yeah. it over to your weapons, you know, like that's your priority. And if you have a spare tool, or maybe I'll get this cool new uh, ability that pops up. But like you, I, I focused abilities way too much and just. Yeah, I think I use my bonus points all the time on buffing my ATB recharge rate. Yeah, I, I I equally buffed my ATB and my item limit. And I, I think the item limit is another interesting thing. I think that kind of taught me that weapons and items are going to be expendable. I should be using my items and whatnot. But I'm very like a hoarder when it comes to those sort of games. I want to keep mm-hmm. everything. So I had a hard time letting it go as well. I just, uh, yeah, I just, I, I could have done it so much better. I botched so much in this game. I'm surprised they even <laughs> so finished it by the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure. But I, yeah, but I think... 
like if this was a modern game they would have done like lists of tutorials to this and, and whatnot like keep yeah. in mind i i didn't play this i don't have the game physically I, I like emulated it so i've never read the manual for this game and i'm sure it's way more in-depth in there or if you oh, read no, like, it is not a simple guide for the game <laughs> even if you read a simple guide someone will probably be like first off do not do this all right and then everything else would probably be okay yeah. i read the manual because i was confused about what the difference between a super tool and a regular yeah. tool was same. it doesn't oh, yeah, explain yeah, it at all in the in the in the uh, yeah. manual and then there's like uh yeah there's a couple of systems i think that got in the way of each other there's the tool which as sandy was explaining you use to extract a specific parameter you know from uh, an existing weapon and then that weapon becomes it it's gone forever right yeah and then there's a super tool which allows you to take um any piece of you know the parameter from that weapon and allows you to keep both weapons and then there's also an upgrade system that allows you to give a weapon more slots that I feel like was also a little bit undercooked or under explained or underdeveloped or something because I never knew what some, it meant. Yeah. At some point it, I think also the visual representation. So you have the gun and then there's a box underneath that has all like the little icons, like times three mm. rate of fire or whatever. And then there's like a little box that has a slash through it. And I didn't know if that meant that was an existing slot that I put something into or yeah. if that was something I have to remove, or so, so it, it was very confusing and it wasn't explained anywhere. Um, yeah, I wasted every single one of those. <laughs> and then at some <laughs> point too, you're getting you're getting these, uh, which I did like the whole precinct the the like, I guess what is it gun safety and yeah, uh, what are you giving these certificates or something to upgrade? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. The which I thought was very clever, but then it switches to oh no. Uh, they're permits. You're given permits. Mm-hmm. And then you're given uh, cards at some point, which I only ever got one. And it, I just didn't understand, like, where else are they? And then there's, like, a collection of cards. I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. It's got to be so a new I, Game Plus thing. It's got to be. There's, <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, having looked into the game, like, with the new Game Plus stuff, like, even looking at, like, the game's ultimate weapons. I don't know if you know the ultimate weapon quests in this game. Did oh, you, yes. Do you guys ever... Do you guys ever come across an item called junk? You might have seen yes. it in like yeah. the yeah. Occasionally enemies drop it. I think I might have seen about ten pieces of junk in game. Yeah, yeah. Like to get one of the ultimate weapons, you have to go to the the police guy in the in the precinct. You need to go down to the weapons guy and you need to give him three hundred pieces of junk, oh which you have to grind God. for a very long time to get. And then you can pick one of five ultimate weapons, which is just like a pistol, a rifle, machine gun, shotgun, right. or grenade launcher. But like it's it, you're looking at like maybe like three hundred battles minimum in in like I think one area in the uh, the museum and that's just to get one weapon and that's a completely separate thing altogether that's never told you you're just getting an item called junk that you think takes up an item slot in your inventory whereas you're meant to be stuck and I've in those battles numerous times like <sighs> get this junk out of yeah, here yeah you're like I don't need that and that's like if you because if you go back to him he's like oh you got some junk and yeah I'll but discard him, like, junk he, yeah you got to give him like 300 pieces of junk <laughs> to, to get that. And that's uh, like you guys, when I played through it one time, I think I maybe got one super tool. I think I got maybe one card and I used it on one weapon. And I like in the grand scheme of things, that was a pretty powerful upgrade that I completely wasted on a bad gun because I didn't <laughs> understand it's, you know, I, I yeah. think a lot of that stuff to me, it feels like it's built to be taken advantage of in new game plus like 
if you yeah. know what this is, you can probably make yourself very overpowered. And I get the feeling if you spec yourself appropriately, you can probably be very strong in this game pretty easily. Because there's not like a lot of weapons and there's not like a lot of magic. Most of your damage is going to come from your guns. Yeah. So yeah. once you new game plus, you'd be like, wow, well, now I have the forbidden knowledge and now I know to, <laughs> to do yeah, all this I know stuff. And you're probably. Ignore all these guns and just throw them in the safe because I know this is the one gun I want to maximize. So I can use all my BP on maximizing the damage on that instead of using it on ATB to shoot faster. Yeah, for sure. How often did you guys use the uh, Parasite E powers, aside from the obvious haste and heal? Did you guys use any of those uh, other ones? I use barrier every battle. As soon as it starts, I would immediately use barrier, and then I would fight. Really? <laughs> yes, every single time, either that or haste. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like some I some are very situational. Like like with most magic spells, I use like you know get rid of poison. And uh, maybe I use slow or confuse once or twice just to check them out. But I, I think considering all the things that they give you, there are like you're just going to go to your heal spells. You'll use heal one, heal two, heal three a lot. I don't think I ever use the regen power. I don't think I ever use the full heal, which is like uh, all of your health. And oh, yeah, and definitely use that at that point, because I don't know about you guys, but I feel like it gives you the last three abilities pretty close together. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as you get liberate, and as soon as you get liberate, you're at least in my mind, I was like, I should always try to be as liberate, yeah, whenever possible. So it was pretty much just haste is good, mm -hmm. heal is good, otherwise liberate. I, and I yeah. think before then I tried to use energy shot a lot, but that was just like to try finish around. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there that's just I felt kind of inconsequential. It's like standard spell stuff. Yeah. And there's not a huge roster that you get, but. Mm -hmm. It's it was nice. It was a nice selection. It felt like a little bit like a kind of like a a pick and mix or a tasty like starter plate of fantasy based <laughs> spells. You got a little bit. Of, you got a limit break. You got a heal. You got a regen. Don't worry too much about it. <laughs> yeah. Barriers saved my life a lot of the times. I think that's probably why I, not until like the final boss, because you can't really spam barrier as much because they will break through. I think barrier isn't like a full like time limit of you're immune from this time it's like a shield essentially for as, like as long as you health. have as long as you have uh what is it P P, P or P MP P. or whichever it is as long yeah P as long as you have something in that bar that's gonna go before your health. Yeah. And that's always... why that's actually why I didn't why I didn't use it was because it oh, essentially so much. took me Yeah like it it take it takes you out of the using any future EP or PE because yeah. you're using it to protect yourself and I was like I need this shit to heal nigga I need this yeah. shit that's why I was like my that's why I was so stocked up on healing items I was like I'll just use barrier and then I'll kill it before it can attack me and if I need to heal I'll just use a medicine and then kill another monster and get another medicine real quick off of it yeah yeah I I I think like in in a, in any in any other role playing game, I'd be very inclined to use like a protect or a shell or yeah. a spell like that. It's just with this one, I think what's interesting about the gameplay is that there's always this thought in your head where I'm like, I just won't get hit. I'll dodge <laughs> all the attacks that come at me. I, I I don't need to be protected when I can walk out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, you know. And I think as as much as I like the fact that you can. Like one thing that I really love about this game's combat, and I like it in any role playing game, even if it's turn based, is where they give you something to do while oh, you're doing the turn based combat. I don't know if you guys have played Lost Odyssey. There's like a ring system on every oh, auto yes. attack there where you have to time the button. Uh, Shadow Hearts has the wheel system where every attack you have to hit it. I feel like Parasite Eve is like a weird 
splint a split off of that where it's kind of turn-based yeah. but so much of the combat is like in between is dynamic you're moving around you're physically trying to dodge things i think like you said bullet hell some of yeah. it feels a bit bullet helly right yeah um and i think that's the thing with the magic almost all of my magic was just to try supplement how bad i wasn't moving away from people's things <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um other than that yeah it's it's uh it's, it's a fun it's a fun little system that they Liberate, got going. i thought was i wish it you got it sooner i wish you got to spend mm. some more time with some of these um powers because i mean liberate is insane you know, oh, and cool, you only right? get to use it for like the last of it and it's like oh okay i guess that's it huh i mean yeah I, I, Unless you do a new game plus, do you get all all those uh, powers? I, be- I I believe I you hang so. on to it. The new the new game's a bit weird in this one, where that like you have to still level up again, but I think you get to keep a lot of what you have. I've read I like I've read if you're trying to fully complete Parasite Eve, you'll need to play through it a couple of times because they have this end game dungeon, the Chrysler Building. Right. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you know about it. It's like a hundred floors, randomized. Crazy. incredibly difficult incredibly difficult uh I, I from what i've told it's an awful experience <laughs> to get to get to the end of it and then there's an ultra boss at the end of it which you legit gotta be like level 99 fully maxed out like it's got insane amounts of health even compared to the final boss yeah. so i think all of that stuff like you'll probably be able to get the most out of it but i think for a one playthrough you get a li- you get a little bit of time with everything before you're quickly moved on to the next rotation yeah. of things you're going to use you know like as soon as you get haste you're you're a haste haste gal for life i and yeah. haste your best friends forever <laughs> <laughs> and that makes it more sense to... wow why like gun customization was the way it was because if there's a if they're expecting you to play multiple times and especially play through a ever encroaching giant in-game dungeon it's probably a bunch of tools in there it's probably a bunch of other hidden guns that we've never seen in there as well and armors and stuff so they probably expect yeah. if you're really liking the system and going deep into it you're going to build you're going to have your dream gun you're going to have your dream armor and you're going to be trying to build yourself up like a muso game <laughs> yeah kind of yeah it all it all comes back to it all comes back to muso and taken to um what's actually interesting is that the whole you could almost look at it as like the uh like the tower the chrysler building is sort of like the main game and then the story mode is the tutorial just to teach you all the mechanics and then because that's a hundred level that's like probably more gameplay than the main story i would i'm gonna say that makes me actually Uh, interested to go back and actually be for sure and and like I've like I th- I think the funny thing is even before I really knew about Parasite Eve or much of like what the gameplay was I do remember like in a podcast like the infamous stories of the Chrysler building and Parasite Eve and how insanely difficult it is like if you guys remember the I don't know if you guys got lost in the sewer where you kind of have these long paths to go down and some of them are dead ends and whatnot yeah. I I hear the Chrysler building is like a giant version of that over a oh, hundred wow. floors. Where you get, I think, like every ten floors, you get a save spot. It's kind of Persona Tree-ish. You go up a few floors and you get like a rest spot for it. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the fact that they keep like a an alternate ending at the top of the the, the tower, though. Like you get to fight a, a new final boss with an alternate ending to it, which I'm not sure is canon or not. I don't believe it is, but mm. it's like if you want, if like I don't personally think I love I love the gameplay in Parasite Eve, but I personally don't think I would get 
an extra playthrough out of it or multiple playthroughs, especially considering you can't skip the cutscenes and things like that. Like you got to keep that in mind when you're playing it. Yeah. Uh, but I like that that stuff is there. If you really like that game and you really want to keep playing it, it can kind of keep going over and you get this really big payoff at the end. Well, I hope it's a big payoff. I don't know what it's like. Hopefully. It's going to be awful. <laughs> yeah. We'll yeah, say it in post. Be like, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> What's interesting is sort of how um, almost like the economics of making games and, you know, designing how long they'll be and how long you want people to be engaged with them. It's interesting how that's sort of changed over time because, you know, you mentioned a couple of times like, oh, like if you're renting it, you know, you'll not just beat it in a weekend. You'll have to rent it again, you know. Yeah. And, you know, that money goes somewhere, obviously. Whereas now we don't really have like the whole renting thing. So maybe some of those philosophies would be be different. Maybe not, uh, you know, case in point with Persona 3 and 5. I, I think 4 had like a like a dungeon, 4 had gold. Or- Four had golden or I think where it has like oh well did four have I'm trying an to think if game I, kind of thing I don't I didn't play it all the way through four so I don't I don't know mm. if there was I know like three that, for but. sure has a like even with the yeah. answer too you you can you can be stuck in there for a good year <laughs> on oh, just yeah. Persona three Fe, Fe, Fez is insane <laughs> yeah Pro. there's and, a lot of obviously they included that within the main story and the gameplay so you you're still like it's integrated better as opposed to you have to beat the main you know, story. Then you get access to Tartarus. Is that what it was called? Right. Yeah. Tartarus. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of interesting how that sort of stuff played out. We're like, okay, let's add, we want, we want Parasite Eve to have that end game, that sort of, uh, you know, replayability essentially. So let's add this really meaty sort of uh, system or this, this gameplay mode at the end to give players incentive to, go back you know and all this so it's i don't know it's kind of interesting because i mean am i gonna go back i haven't beat the game i can't beat this boss so i'm locked <laughs> out of the content unless i like fuck, like you know she dug it out so, yeah I, i'm just like yeah. fuck, okay but i don't know it's just kind of interesting how that all works and how they decide i mean do you guys think the game would have been better if it had that uh gameplay mode like at the menu, like you know where it says like continue. Oh, uh, like how Final Fantasy twelve has like trial mode yeah. separated. Yeah, just like boom. Yeah, you just like um, jump in. Possibly, and you do bring up a good point by mentioning because I do have to think about it in the time that maybe some developers were making games and the idea of this is a rental or right. I expect people to like not buy this game; they'll just rent it and stuff like that. Like I think about a lot of the games that we played during the season, like Dirge. Musashi even no more heroes I did rent no more heroes actually Operation Raccoon City um <laughs> these are games you you could beat in a rental bring it back and be like all right cool I'm good that was great yeah. that was mm-hmm. I enjoyed that and I don't know I feel with I feel like I have to play Parasite Eve 2 first before I quantify this question because Parasite Eve 2 might have those systems to where they go like the gun customization might be better they might have a better in-game area dungeon for you to expand and do stuff like that but at least yeah i agree with parasite eve i like if i was to go back and play this game again i probably would just load up the same save beat the final boss real quick and then 
I'm going to run through the game again and try to do the Chrysler Tower and give up after a while and go back and fight yeah. the original boss. Like, I'll probably just play until yeah. I get mad and then stop. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it would be good to have it as a separate option because then it would give the... It's kind of like Armored Core, like the original Armored Cores, how it has the mm. arena as a separate mode. It can kind of limit you because you think that... Because I feel like a lot of the times with Armored Core, especially the main meat and fun of the game is playing the story mode in the missions mm. compared to playing the arena. Like for me, I didn't really mm. care for playing the arena, even though it's more difficult per se and stuff like that. But, and you can still play through the whole, essentially the whole game and still have, it's just as much fun playing the arena mode. It's, it's, it's just not the same experience though. I would say. Mm. Yeah, no, I I get you. I I think the one thing that I would take away from this is that I I feel for like, in terms of the survival horror esque elements of it, because they definitely take some inspiration from uh, kind of how big horror was during that era. But if you compare this to something like a Resident Evil, which I, anytime I beat a Resident Evil game, I almost always feel compelled to play through it again because it gives you this sort of incentive with like, here's how quickly you beat it, here's your ranking, you mm. know, there's these little extras mm. you can unlock if you do it. I feel like the Chrysler section as a whole, I think it's really cool in concept, but I do feel like it's something that just isn't necessarily balanced for you to like go back and entirely play the game again for if you want to. Because right. like I said, from what I, I, I gather, you need to, to actually beat the Chrysler Tower. You need to beat the game a lot to get to level 99, you know? Like you have to beat this game quite a bit. So 100 floors of what is remotely the same thing with maybe a few extra items sprinkled in doesn't really entice me to come back and do it. But I think if they were to like remake the game and maybe have the Chrysler Tower be almost like a roguelike kind of deal yeah. where you can go in and like it's a randomized thing every time you get different weapons and items and you kind of have to play with you know your items and maybe make mix tools on the fly to try and make good combinations. I think that would work really well. Yes. So I, I like the concept. I just think it, they probably could have executed on it a little bit better. And well, once again, I haven't fully played Parasite Eve 2. So I know kind of the gist of what the differences in Parasite Eve 2 are. And I'll, I'll leave you to play it yourself to figure out and find out what they are. But I think it's something they could have definitely expanded on and improved upon as the series went on. I yeah, hope I think they did uh, anyway. <laughs> I think with the uh, maybe integrating the Chrysler building into the gameplay uh, or I'm sorry, into the story, like the main story itself. Mm. So, you know, I was mentioning earlier in the podcast when Paris, uh, when Parasite Eve, when Aya <laughs> goes to the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> goes to that, uh, that window and she sees the Chrysler building and it's like yeah. lighting up. It'd be cool if after that, that level, it's like, Oh, this is open to you now. Now you can go and fuck around if you want to. Um, yeah. I think you'd have I, to rebalance. Maybe yeah. Yeah. Like treating it like a Coliseum yeah. of the sorts. Right. Like, out in, in like even you could see, you could even see it and they could have like a little warning outside or something like just right. telling you this is for, this is for expert players. You can still go in and see it and get a taste of it and be like, Oh, well, you know, I, I think the problem though is, you know, you know, the way everybody thinks gamers are idiots, you'd probably have someone who's like, I can't beat the goddamn Chrysler Tower. I don't think you can I don't I don't think you can have it. Like, you know, the way they're like, Oh, you yeah. know, we have to put yellow on shit so people know where to go in games. We need to tell yeah. you very carefully yeah. to how to jump over stuff. I feel like if you put this big ominous entity there that like you, you can't beat unless you specifically tell people you can't beat that, someone's gonna get stuck in there forever trying to beat the game. And instead, yeah. instead of going to Chinatown or something, you know, just to progress. But uh, 
Yeah, I, I like that it's there. I like that it's there for sure. Yeah, I I want to say that uh, the just the gameplay overall is solid, but there are some sort of maybe some miscommunications to the player. Some things aren't fully explained that really rob uh, your enjoyment, your overall enjoyment of like really like like. Like, the gameplay is almost addicting. Like, it's almost yes. clear, you know, and maybe that could be our modern sensibilities, our brains, like, you know, trying to interpret yeah. something that was done, you know, years ago. I but. feel like, though, this is also, like, a very hindsight game where your second playthrough will probably feel a lot more comfortable than your first playthrough. Because in hindsight, mm-hmm. like, for you know in the entirety things. of disc one, I really didn't know what BP was. Or even what I was doing with gun customization. <laughs> but yeah. if I knew those when I was playing earlier, I probably would have made better choices and got along better. It's the same thing. Like once I get that second playthrough, the game will feel and the systems will probably work around it itself better because I understand them now, even though the manual is the most cryptic thing I've ever read in my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. Sean, it's, what did I, you I think? think uh, oh, just real quick. Uh, the menus. There's a shit ton of options, and there's always the like in these types of games, especially Square's games. They have this ability to change the color of the menu boxes. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, like, for sure. Yeah, they yeah, they have why... customization <laughs> options for them, which is I think them and Pokemon do it. <laughs> that, that's what, their thing. Like what? I just never understood. I'm like, why would anybody want to customize? I always change it to black. Do you? Do you? you yeah, just put it on I, dark mode. Yeah, I always put it on black, or I put it on like dark blue, kind of get that yeah, old Final Fantasy. Oh, that's that's the classic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How did you guys find ammo? By the way, did you ever feel like you struggled with ammo stocks? Tread together. <laughs> I had like four hundred ammo at like all times. I don't know why, but but to be fair, I was using like one particular rifle, so it was just like two shotting every two two or three oh. shotting everything and. By the time that I actually was like, hold on, I'm struggling with ammo. It was <laughs> right before you do like the second phase of the final boss. And they're like, all right, here's yeah. a bunch of medicine. Here's a bunch of ammo. Oh, thank- I like I straight up ran out of ammo at, at two points in the game. And this was also down to me not knowing how to use weapons properly because <laughs> I made I made an assault rifle with a, a seven rate of fire. And I don't know if you guys noticed what rate of fire like rate of fire uh, makes you fire more bullets, but it also makes your bullets do less damage. So yes. if you have a so like two and three, it's technically similar levels of damage, but you're technically stunning an enemy longer, right? And yeah. if you have seven bullets on a rifle, you're just standing there shooting for ages. You get hit with so much shit. Never use a seven seven round rifle. It's yeah. terrible. But like I was also using up like seven rounds of ammo on a single turn of shooting an enemy, doing about like ten damage. It was and just draining my ammo. You know, right you could use one bullet sense. with. You could use one bullet with a grenade and do the same damage with seven bullets from a thing. That's why I eventually found like two or three bullets on a pistol was like optimal for what I wanted. I feel like it's, but like simply using that rifle and thinking more bullets equals more damage. I just had no ammo for large portions of this game. You know, like it's it's funny how it's it's indifference to you where you're like, I've got 400 bullets and me like <laughs> in the museum being like, please drop 15 rounds. I'm going to die if you don't drop 15 rounds. Okay. So this is actually funny. This is so funny because yeah. I also had a similar issue where I was, I went into the hospital rooftop fight with like 20 ammo. Oh my you know? goodness. And I was stuck. I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? You know, and it turns out that one, you do get a club two 
where you could fucking hit enemies. Oh yeah, Clo- I love they, I love club. Yeah, yeah, and you can steal ammo from them. Not oh, what, is that what it does? So, oh yeah, yeah. the oh, club two it steals. Yeah. Uh, I ammo. I knew I had a thing on it. I didn't know what it meant. That's, <laughs> yeah. Remember the following? I don't know what it meant. I was like, what even is that club two? Oh, I ain't used the club. It's so hard to club? use. You know, you really yeah. have to like be beefed yeah. up as far as your defense and all that. But uh, yeah, you get ammo that way. Also, Sandy told me that if you go back to the precinct at any given point, uh, there's a chest right next to. Um, like the guy, yeah, and he, there's 30 ammo sitting in there, and there's also medicine. Uh, I, yeah. I every every single time I ran low on the ammo, I talked to myself. I probably should have went back to the precinct for something, right? <laughs> oh yeah, I went back like, to the precinct. Like, every this is this is why I finished the game and. This is why I finished the game in 10 hours, because there's bits where you're like, oh, you want to go back and use a super tool? I'm like, no, we're going to the next place. Need any ammo? Nah, I got like nah. 50 bullets. That's that's enough, right? It's not enough. It's never enough. <laughs> yeah, you never oh, have yeah. a good judge of how much ammo you need. Um, like, it's sort of hard. I, I ended up with about 800 ammo at the end of uh, the, wow. the beginning of the four-stage boss at the end. That didn't help, yeah. obviously. I didn't. I still can't beat the boss with regardless of <laughs> how much ammo I have. But yeah. it, it's... Yeah, it was just fun. it's really frustrating. So yeah, but I I think I think it's funny how that can be different for other people because like I struggled with ammo, but also like just managed to to kill the boss with like fifty bullets. Insane. I think I had like very very lucky. I, I like I messed up, but I messed up just enough <laughs> to be okay. <laughs> Lastly, I sort of want to talk about the strangeness to include. Maeda's luck, good luck charms, and they're oh, yeah. fucking like, useless. They don't do anything. Luck. It's insane how, if you look at like you know the Parasite Eve communities, there's people who have tried runs where they use each individual one to see if like you get an extra drop rate or you get um I'm sorry not extra you get higher drop rates or mm. maybe you get a revive you know and there's four of them he gives you or three of them. One's like a good luck. One's like an extra good luck. So it's just like, what are these mysterious fucking items? It is interesting reading like the old form posts from like 2002. Like, what do the charms do? Do they? (laughs) And then people are like, yeah, revive me during the final boss. (laughs) (laughs) It's like all this internet here to say. Did you guys Uh, find that? Well, I mean, did you guys keep them for one? And did you find that they did anything? I, I I think from what I read, right, because I, at the end of the game, I remember looking this up, I think, and I found that, yeah, I don't think they're like they're one of the few items you can't discard. So I think once you yeah. get them, they take up a permanent slot. They're just there, you know, because they're integral to the story. And I don't know if it's maybe like a runoff of the Parasite Eve book or something. Maybe there's something within there where like Lucky Charms relate to it or whichever. Or if it's even just like a long play to where like he's about to give you the final charm and you're like, oh man, not this guy again, this goddamn charms. And Daniel <laughs> cuts him off and he's like, all right, if you don't want my charm, don't worry about it. And then yeah. he's and I do think that and that he's like, is wow, like I wish the, I gave uh... I had these bullets I made. You know? Yeah, I think like, that I, is maybe, the play. Maybe it's just, it's a really long bit, <laughs> which results in Daniel exploding into flames, flying out of a helicopter, which like... <laughs> If that's what they were going for, fantastic. But as far as I know, I don't believe those items do anything. Although I did inexplicably revive in the last fight with me thinking I didn't have a revive. So that might have been something. Or maybe, maybe. I just did have a revive. I don't know. Sa- I don't yeah, sort same my here. items. Same here. Yeah. I think I revived and I didn't. I mean, you have to keep track of what items you have. And I don't yeah. think I had a revive and I revived. But I don't know I, which yeah. good luck charm revived me. 
Or if it yeah. did revive you, what if you just exactly. revived? Just who even, if they who were even just being knows? Good for you? Yeah, like it's it's crazy. Even sorting the items and that's a bit weird. Like the sort button to like change your thing. So maybe I did have a revive. I don't know what it is, but I appreciate my Ada's little lucky charms and how yeah. like I just like a dude trying to give you useless stuff. <laughs> yeah. Take this, you'll need it. And it's like, oh, bro, give me a voodoo doll again. I don't, I don't need this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, one of those things where I think in modern games you would definitely think like this is this is absolutely important, and it probably yeah, it goes into it goes into your key item slot. Weapon. The key items, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like this is just like, a, like I mean, this isn't a game where you can pick up like eighty pieces of junk and they're super. They're like the most important item in the game. That's not telling you. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> who who, that's who knows? True. Yeah. So overall, what what do you guys feel? Would would you recommend Parasite Eve? Do you guys think that this is something that everybody should have in their collection of PS1 or retro titles? What are you guys feeling? Yes. This is one of those games, I feel, even if you're somebody like me that isn't like a pre-PlayStation 2 aficionado, I would still say pick up this game just for the novelty of it. It's it's a First of all, it was supposed to be Final Fantasy VII, and they repurposed and rearranged it, and it's a sequel to a book like that's that's the story behind it's already weird enough along the already along the fact that square enix in its prime made a shooting modern setting jrpg that's so strange and it's Mm. good it's a great game great soundtrack great graphics great gameplay it's it's a great game yeah for sure it's it's a combination of horror uh classic role playing and like cheesy triple a 90s big budget action movie it's like one of the shorter square games that i've played but i feel like they've condensed all these elements together to make a game that feels very unlike anything they've made even in the same series and i don't like despite vagrant story having some similarities in its battle system i say some very loosely it's literally just that sphere that appears (laughs) it's the only thing that's similar no (laughs) i i feel like it's in you know it's it's a very unique game as it is, it's kind of one of a kind. I don't think anybody's really done something very similar to what it is. And while I don't think it's perfect in every aspect of it, I think it's a, a miraculously good game for what they attempted to do. It's it's what I would call an eight out of ten that you must play. You know, it's got problems, but I don't I don't think I've ever come across anybody who's played this game who hasn't had like a really fun experience with it to some extent. It's it's just that interesting and unique, and it's. I'm sad that I it took me so long to play it, but I, I, I get the hype now for sure. I don't know anybody who's played this game, to be honest with you, in real life just us three? otherwise. Yeah. yeah, we're the only <laughs> just, people that I know. It's, it's, it's honestly, it's, 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 it's stock is rising. I feel like from what mm-hmm. I've seen, like once again, as a European, you, we just, none of us has played Parasite Eve. We just didn't know what it was <laughs> unless you <laughs> imported it. And yeah. now I think, because we're in this era now where I think a lot of these older playstation games are starting to get their dues you start getting dudes making three hour videos on them you know part of i'm part of the problem but uh (laughs) it's uh you i i think you're gonna start seeing these other games that aren't your final fantasies aren't your like your chrono triggers kind of getting their day in the sun and people appreciating them and i think for especially nowadays people have a big uh a lot of love for horror i think people really care about survival horror these days i think a lot of people have big nostalgia for resident evil and people have big nostalgia for Silent Hill. And I think if you tell someone, hey, did you know Square made a, a horror game with like a lot of the Final Fantasy team? And it's kind of like Final Fantasy meets horror meets yeah. uh, buddy cop drama. Oh, people no. are like, whoa, okay. 
You know? Now next I'm people dead. are going to be saying Galarians is a classic. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you got against psychic ash and his uh, <laughs> na- Nakon? Oh, man. Oh, Galarian. That's a voter game. I rented Galarian Ash, the second game. I rented that one as a kid, and it gave me nightmares. Oh, that's weird. And I returned it. I was like, Mom, I can't do this. Because I just saw anime guy on the cover. I was like, Mom, anime guy. Let me get this. And I was like, nah, fuck this, Mom. What is this shit? (laughs) Yeah. It's a scary game. It is Uh, is weird. Um... That's all I have. Well, actually, do you guys think there will be a Parasite Eve remake? Do you guys feel that in your bones? Yes, on the in my bones. Just like there will be a Dirge remake, there will be a Parasite think, Eve remake. <laughs> you think soon? You think what? What are you feeling? I I think some people have like the a, a lot of the hot topic seems to come in relation to the licensing of Parasite Eve because one of the interesting things about it is that this is like one of the few Square properties that Square didn't create themselves from scratch. They're effectively working off of somebody else's property. And I think a lot of the time people used to discuss, oh, there's issues with the licensing and that's why it's right. called the third birthday. I, mm-hmm. From what I gather, that's not the case at all. <laughs> I think if they wanted to call something Parasite Eve, it's not like it's very expensive to pick up the rights to it. I think it's yeah. mostly famous because of the game, at least in the Western world anyway. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I think its stock is continuing to rise. I think more people are paying attention to it. We're going to look for people wanting just even like remasters or like re-releases of like the trilogy together and out of all the square games that are out there and maybe deserving of a remake i feel like this is probably the best one they could choose i think they could do the most cool things with it i think they could modernize it very well and still keep it like very true to what it is and make a really fun modern game um like I mean, we, we've probably all played a lot of Square games out there, but I, even for me, even if there's ones that I might prefer more, I still think this is the best candidate for a, a modern treatment. I don't know why I'm imagining a Resonance of Fate style. <laughs> like, <laughs> Literally, like you could, you could do it exactly like that. I'm just imagining Resident Evil, but with Borderlands gun numbers popping up. When you shoot stuff, oh, like straight, oh yeah, like back flipping off a scorpion, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, f- firing off it. bullets in the air. Yeah, I can see I, her I, having I a cover, that. like shooting out. I can see it all. Just it, it, it works, even with the set pieces, everything other than the the grotesqueness of it. I can see it all being put into place compared to like another game, like Vagrant Story, for example. I can't see them remaking that or Xenogears or anything. They're, I- those games are so like intrinsically. I think I think Xenogears and uh, Vagrant are so like tied to being a classic PlayStation role playing game. I know specifically exactly. Vagrant Story is very weird. It's very heavily. Its visuals are very much tied to being a PlayStation game, and it's. I don't think Square are too interested in revisiting any of Yasumi Matsuno's work. I don't think they're looking to do stuff like Evilise or Vagrant Story or FF12 and that kind of thing. They're very much like we want to continue our Nomura our big hitters, our Final Fantasies. And, like, keep in mind, Nomura is still heavily involved with uh, Parasite Eve, the character designs and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's got it's definitely got potential. And I think, you know, if they feel like bringing in a cool horror experience and wanting to make a sweet-looking New York City in the snow, if they want to just make the Division, they're welcome to. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. <laughs> just take the Division and Resonance of Fate and, and then just... mash the two. Oh yeah, and Parasite Eve. 
There you go. Welcome to yeah, and that <laughs> and looks and every every Parasite Eve game has been weird and different. So why not continue the trend and just yeah. uh, <laughs> what we're trying to say is bring back Resonance of Faith. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. how we're trying. <laughs> we I want to see I want to see three people doing cool stuff for guns in a <laughs> steampunk world with Iabrea. Hey, <laughs> it's on the list. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean, it was great having you for another episode of Back of the Rack. Uh, PS1 is and I, I mean wait Sandy have we done another PS1 title since Fear Effect? No, this is the only one. We were going to ah, do yeah. a Kuji, but we had a call. Oh, yeah. oh there was a listen, spoiler. I'm 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 playing a Kuji for like the next video I'm doing, the one the wheel Let's videos. Go. I I'm super excited. A Kuji uh, is the one. My dad played a Kuji. He played a Kuji in Shadow Man in front of me. I don't know why he played this in front of like a four-year-old, but wow, you remember uh, that? Holy! I shit. remember. That's why I love Shadow Man so much is because I remember you... watching that Ocarina of Time and Akuji, and I was yeah. just like, "Wow, what is this shit? I like this kind of game. I'm cool with watching this dad." Until he eventually got me a GameCube, and I was like, "Okay, I can play The Hobbit." I guess it's kind of like these games. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, The Hobbit. That's oh so man. Fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Akuji. I think it's it, I, I from what I gather, it's literally just Gex with a voodoo man, <laughs> yes. which sounds like an, an adult and more adult Gex, which sounds like my perfect game. Really, so excited for that. Yeah, but yeah, well, no, uh, thanks, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's it's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, if you ever got a PS1 game in the future, hit me up. I'm always happy to to chat about. I'm gonna my, switch it uh, up. Might want to play. Want to bring you in for a PlayStation Three game next. Oh, I I, I oh, had yeah. one of them too. Believe it or not, <laughs> I also, it's like it's like yeah, I'm the I'm the PlayStation One guy, but I have played like every everything else ever, <laughs> so I think we're okay. So yeah, just 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 tap me in when you need a a third talking head to I didn't take even, too much of your time. I, I didn't even think about that. That you, I just consider like you've only played PS One games, but I never thought to include you on a on a non PS One game episode. <laughs> Ah, so that, look, I, I just a long time ago decided that that's going to be my brand. Even if I want to talk about like something else, it's it's not important. That's not yeah. the brand, man. <laughs> it'll be like, it'll be off brand. It's like us playing a Super Nintendo game. It'll be like, what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll be like, yeah, exactly. Considering yeah. we don't uh, own any, like the console or any of the cartridges. So I actually it's have okay. The there's there's there's, there. there's been people talking about the Super Nintendo on the internet for too long, for yeah, too, for too many years. You wait, there's nothing new to find. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, it was great having you. Um, this episode, uh, you know, happy holidays to everybody out there because this will probably go live in middle December, Sandy. Yeah, like right? probably right before Christmas. So yeah, yeah, this is like your Christmas episode. Christmas yeah, this is your Christmas episode. Maybe we'll make it look Christmassy or something. Have have a little tree superimposed. A little wreath in the <laughs> yeah, corner. Yeah. If you yeah. if you want to give me like Rune, uh, Rudolph's red nose for this entire <laughs> yeah. thing, we'll like put, we'll, we'll animate uh, just Santa hats on all of us. You know. So, <laughs> yeah, like that'd be that'd be cool. Um, but yeah, it was great having you. Uh, we'll have to, to you know, do this again soon, um, guys. This is that. This is also the last episode of season three. So uh, the next episode after this will be our back of the rack awards. So that'll be exciting. Look forward to that. That'll be coming out. I don't know, probably before early. the year ends. Yeah, before I, I would say dirt around New Year's, probably like maybe yeah. the last day. Yeah, we will see. So um, 
yeah but anyways thank you guys make sure to like comment subscribe all that youtube nonsense uh follow sean uh if you already haven't i'm sure i'm sure people who are watching this aren't already or are yeah. already subscribed to you so i don't even know the algorithm's gonna get you eventually if you're not subscribed to me i'm gonna make the algorithm <laughs> find yeah. me and hey. then by proxy find you guys and it, we're all go. gonna we're all gonna benefit we're all here to help the homies funny story i about. never realized that you were the one that uploaded the um ps1 mix Oh yeah, <laughs> I didn't realize that shit until I was like, I have like a whole like playlist of mixes, and the other day I was yeah. listening to it, and I was like, wait a minute, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah, uh, there, uh, so many people find me through those, believe it or not. The problem is now I, I think I'm at the point where I'm seeing other people make PS1 mixes, and like, oh, these guys are way better than me. I'm just gonna leave them to it for now. <laughs> but uh, they got I'll, I'll make another. I'll make another. Or no, I'll make another one around Christmas for people. I keep getting questions <laughs> like, when are you making a mix? I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'll put some music together. Don't worry. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, thanks for, Sean, thanks for checking those out. You're a part of the uh, back of the rack universe, so absolutely. You know, you, we <laughs> we put a little Easter Sweet. egg. We, we you know we're like the MCU where we do little cameos in each other's things, yeah. and it builds up to this ultimate event. Back of the Rack Secret Wars or something like that. You know, <laughs> Back but. of the Rack. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. I'll, I'll, I'll squeeze you guys into a video someday, you know. I'll, I'll, I'll make it work. I, hey, have, I, have enough time. I get enough I'm comments. Good. I get so many comments about, you didn't put your cats in the video enough. I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> Every time I point a camera at them, they run away. I'm like, the internet loves you. You don't understand. <laughs> they want you, not me. Yeah, hey, that, ever that's, since that's I won legit. the wheel, I've been happy as hell. Like I'm good. Oh I'm yeah, you got you got you got you got the slap happy treatment. Yeah, yeah that was I'm uh, good. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? People like that one. Yeah, I put I think slap it, happy yeah. rhythm fighter. I forget the yeah, slap happy slap rhythm happy rhythm busters. Yeah, you were like, I was like, oh, there's a rhythm fighting game. You're like, oh, put that on, and then and it worked out. I think Ben, <laughs> I, I Benji, I think you got like uh, Danger Girl. I think I asked you after we did the last oh, episode. Oh, that's I was like, right. Pick a game yeah, big, yeah. And you're like, Danger Girl. Yeah, that's that's uh, still incoming. People, people, there's more than one Danger Girl <laughs> fan out there. So <laughs> keep in mind, I have, I've never played the game. I just like it was one of those games that I saw, and I was like, yeah, I want, I want him to play this. So oh, oh yeah, no, it's 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 a game you'll want to watch somebody else play. I'll put it that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, uh, you have a good night, Sandy. You have a good one. Everyone out there watching, you have also a good one. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever the fucking thing is. 